<sighs> and I'm here. Twitch, hello. Now, we've got a chance to relax. No, we don't. Guess what, folks? We have got so many, so many pages to read today, so many words. I didn't even do a word count because I knew it was going to make me anxious. Everyone, big chapters are going to be... Well, we're doing them right now. So I'm going to just rattle really quickly through our quick announcements, okay? Because we really do have to get started. First of all, just reiteration from last week, go to the Discord. Three things. First, we've got a rules channel. You're going to have to agree before you can do Discord things anymore. Second, uh, we're making some organizational changes. They should be pretty slick. You probably won't notice most of them. And if you do, they should be a good thing. And three, up at the very top, the vote here channel is now dedicated to... Uh, the new time that we're going to be reading on Thursdays. It is going to be for um, Percy Jackson. We're keeping it the same for Harry Potter. We discussed a little bit briefly. Are we going to be taking a break um, between Harry Potter and Percy Jackson? I said no initially. I'm looking at my schedule now and I think it would be a good idea for us to take a break and maybe use that time for something. Like, I don't want to take a break from hanging out with y'all. I don't plan to be live on Christmas Eve. However... I think it might be good to take a, just a little bit of time uh, and do some sidecar things without just jumping directly into um, Percy Jackson. I am going to be taking next week off. There's going to be no stream next week on Wednesday or Thursday because uh, Cass and I are actually going to be going out of town. If my math is correct, we will be concluding this, assuming you know nothing changes in the scheduling, we will be concluding... Harry Potter, the final chapters will be on December 17th, which essentially means it will be almost exactly three years. It has been a pretty rad three years, Fan Saves Lives, and I really appreciate everyone who joined early, everyone who has joined since then and said, you know what, I'm willing to catch up. Um, I appreciate you differently, but I appreciate you all very, very, very much. Now, everyone, we really do have to launch into it. So, let's talk about review. Last time on... Chapter 28, The Missing Mirror, and Chapter 29, The Lost Diadem. These are kind of a, a one-two punch. We've seen, um, as I've mentioned before, kind of a, a nice two-chapter structure where we have kind of the rising action um, and then kick off a climax, and the second chapter of that pairing um, will be the climax and sort of the, the uh, downturn of that action. In this one, we get two really distinct uh, scenes, two really distinct sequences. First... Harry, Ron, and Hermione have just apparated into Hogsmeade. Their plan is to head to Hogwarts because Harry knows, based on instinct and visions from Voldemort, that is where the final Horcrux is going to be. They end up in Hogsmeade. It is overrun with Death Eaters. And they are barely saved in time by the bartender of the Hogshead Inn, the Hogshead Tavern. I don't remember if it's an inn. I think it's just a tavern. Um, but then Harry realizes this isn't just some background character that we've seen a couple of times before. This is the man with the blue eyes that I've been seeing in the mirror when I look into that shard of mirror that I got from Sirius Black. I thought it was Dumbledore, but it's you. It turns out this is Aberforth Dumbledore, Albus's brother. Alba, uh, Aberforth was the one who sent Dobby um, to help at Malfoy Manor. Um, Basically, he was integral in saving Harry, Ron, Hermione, Griphook, uh, etc. And we learn a lot more about some background on the Dumbledore family. Maybe more than Harry wanted to understand. Uh, in fact, we get especially a different perspective on, and that issue of perspective is something I think Van Saves Lives brought it up last week, 
is so important to me. We discussed it at length then. I've kept it in the video so you can see it there. But this issue of perspective on the Dumbledore family specifically. To hear Aberforth tell it, Albus was not... He might have been a star student, but he was not a star brother. Um, their sister, Ariana... She had magical ability, she just refused to use it because she was attacked by some muggle boys one day after they saw her do some magic that she couldn't replicate. Um, she never used it, and then as a result, it would burst out of her at random moments, and she was um, hard to... She had a hard time processing. Um, uh, and Aberforth... Aberforth says he was her favorite, uh, not Albus. And one day... Aberforth feels a lot of guilt for this. He wasn't there, and Ariana killed their mother. It was an accident, but it happened. And as a result, with their father being in Azkaban, um, we learn here it's because he went and tried to get some revenge on those muggle boys that attacked his daughter. Um, there are no parents in the Dumbledore family now, so who's going to take over? Well, Aberforth offers... He's not super concerned with school, um, but Albus insists that he's going to take care of it. And he does fine for a few weeks, and then Grindelwald shows up. Gellert Grindelwald um, is now Dumbledore's new obsession, and the two of them are plotting big things, and who cares if one girl gets neglected in the process? Well, Aberforth cares, and Aberforth confronts them, says, you know what, whatever it is y'all are going to do, you can't bring Ariana with you, you can't leave her alone, I will take care of this. And Grindelwald gets angry, draws a wand, uses the Cruciatus Curse on Aberforth. This is Dumbledore's best friend, his brother's best friend is using the Cruciatus Curse on him on Aberforth, and Aberforth draws a wand, retaliates, Dumbledore draws his wand, they are dueling, all three of them, and Ariana tries to help, but she's not in control of her power, and someone in that room, Grindelwald, Aberforth, Albus Dumbledore, one of them kills Ariana. That's the story. And it's much more than Harry wants to understand. And Aberforth tells this story to shed some light on what he believes about Albus Dumbledore. I think we can sort of say he sums it up when he says to Harry, if Dumbledore loved you, he wouldn't present you with an impossible task. He would teach you how to survive. This isn't love. This is just more of Dumbledore's grand legacy. Everyone gets hurt when they interact with Dumbledore. We don't get a great resolution to this. Um, only that that Harry brings up that although Aberforth thinks Albus was you know free of this, that he just sort of moved on and forgot about it, Harry brings up that this is what Albus saw when he drank that potion back in the underground lake, getting the locket Horcrux. This is what he saw. He saw this moment in which his best friend was dueling his brother and his sister was getting hurt in the process. He was shouting, hurt me instead. This is what Harry has to think about, but unfortunately he doesn't have much time to process because they need a way into Hogwarts right now. And 
Aberforth is able to offer that. There is a portrait with a magical tunnel that uh, enters Hogwarts. Um, and who should emerge from it but a very rough and tumble, worn down, but still proud and fighting Neville Longbottom. He's grown up a lot. It seems like they have been, and we're, we're slowly sliding into um, the second chapter of last week, uh, The Lost Diadem. Neville has been one of the heads of the Resistance, basically, at at Hogwarts. Um, the Amicus siblings. Nope, the, the Caro siblings. Amicus and Electo Caro. Electo um, uh, is a witch, and... Nope. Yeah, Electo is a witch, Amicus is a wizard, and uh, the two of them are responsible for teaching things. Basically, they're just teaching the dark arts, and instead of muggle studies, they're teaching uh, the ways in which muggles are supposedly uh, uh, inferior. They're somehow less than uh, people of magic, and even even people who were born to muggles are the same way, which we've seen how false that is, if Hermione's any example, and she is. Um, And Neville introduces... Uh, Harry, Ron, and Hermione to kind of what has been going on at Hogwarts. Boy, there's a, r- a lot of review for, for trying to do this quickly, especially because we got big, big words to... Big words, excuse me? Big chapters. I was going to say big pages, because that kind of would have made sense. Big words doesn't. Anyway, um, uh, what has been going on at Hogwarts? Well, um, there's been a bit of a resistance, but it's been getting worse and worse for them, to the point where Neville has had to go into hiding. He doesn't know if he was going to be killed, or if he was going to be, you know, sent to Azkaban, or what have you, but he had to go into hiding, but he wanted to stay at Hogwarts, so the Room of Requirement delivered for them. As long as somebody from the Order stays in here, it won't let any Death Eaters in because what Neville needed in that moment was a place that no Death Eater could find. It keeps popping them out in different spots over the school. They don't know precisely where they're going to come out. But the big point of confusion here, even as Harry meets more and more members that used to be part of the DA, now they still consider themselves part of the DA, Dumbledore's army, they are fighting. They are they are performing acts of resistance in the, in the ways that they are able. Um, and then we get to this big question. Uh, Neville looks at Harry and says, okay, what's the plan? And Harry is in the terrible position of saying, there's no plan. I have to do something here that I can't tell you about, and then I'm leaving. What? What? Like, think about that. Think about being in that moment, being hidden in this secret room, having to having to sneak around the castle for food with some of the most vicious human beings of the time prowling the same corridors. Think about how devastating that would be. The, the, the savior, the chosen one, the boy who lived, shows up and says, I can't tell you what I'm here for, and when I'm done, I have to leave. I have no plan. We're not going to fight. We're not going to take Hogwarts back from the Death Eaters. Um, but Neville resists this idea. Ooh, barely made it through that bit of English, didn't I? Um, Neville resists this idea. Ron resists it even further and says, you know what? They could help. Harry has been so intent on performing these activities. His mission from Dumbledore, um, essentially solo, or at at the very least very independently, not getting other people involved, not getting other people hurt. And I think at some level, not trusting other people. Maybe not their intentions, but their abilities or their, their outside commitments not to interrupt. We saw how this worked for for uh, folks like um, uh, Xenophilius. Like 
He has a commitment that is more important to him than a big mission, right? A big, uh, a big resistance effort. He'll throw the whole thing away if he can protect his daughter. But Ron says, why not let them help? They can create a distraction while you go try and discover what this last Horcrux might be. They've got a suspicion. There is this rumor of a lost diadem of Ravenclaw. This is a diadem is like a little tiara, like a, a tiny crown. Um, and essentially, <laughs> um, no one knows where it is. But Luna takes him up to the Ravenclaw common room to get a look at a statue with a depiction of this thing. And... In that moment when Harry finally sees, okay, maybe this is what it looks like. Maybe this is what I'm looking for. A voice behind him suddenly makes herself known. It's Electo Caro, and she touches the brand on her arm, which will summon Voldemort. Now, everyone, as much as I would really, really love to spend much more time with you, just like hanging out, we really got to get going. So, let's do this thing, shall we? A good reminder to hydrate. Thank you, folks. And as per usual, I am going to be... Um, I am going to sort of withhold my appreciation for all of your excellent generosity. I'm going to withhold until uh, we are either at a chatter break, which I don't anticipate many uh, today, uh, or between chapters. Okay, now, with that said, let us begin. Oh, wait, what's going on here? And with that said... Let us begin. Chapter 30. The Sacking of Severus Snape. The moment her finger touched the mark, Harry's scar burned savagely. The starry room vanished from sight, and he was standing upon an outcrop of a rock beneath a cliff, and the sea was washing around him, and there was triumph in his heart. the boy. A loud bang brought Harry back to where he stood. Disoriented, he raised his wand, but the witch before him was already falling forward. She hit the ground so hard that the glass in the bookcases tinkled. I've never stunned anyone except our DA lessons, said Luna, sounding mildly interested. That was noisier than I thought it would be. And sure enough, the ceiling had begun to tremble. Scurrying, echoing footsteps were growing louder from behind the door leading up to the dormitories. Luna's spell had woken Ravenclaws sleeping above. Luna, where are you? I need to get under the cloak. Luna's feet appeared out of nowhere. He hurried to her side and she let the cloak fall back over them as the door opened and a stream of Ravenclaws, all in their nightclothes, flooded into the common room. There were gasps and cries of surprise as they saw Electo lying there, unconscious. Slowly, they shuffled in and around her, a savage beast that might wake at any moment and attack them. Then, one brave little first ear darted up to her and prodded her backside with his big toe. I think she might be dead, he shouted with delight. Oh, look, whispered Luna happily, as the Ravenclaws crowded in around Electo. They're pleased. Yeah, great. Harry closed his eyes as his scar throbbed, and he chose to sink again into Voldemort's mind. He was moving along the tunnel into the first cave. He had chosen to make sure of the locket before coming, but that would not take him long. 
There was a rap on the common room door, and every Ravenclaw froze. From the other side, Harry heard the soft, musical voice that issued from the eagle door-knocker. Where do vanished objects go? Well, oh, do I? I don't know! snarled an uncouth voice that Harry knew was that of the Caro brother, Amicus. Electo! Electo! Are you in there? Have you got him? Open the door! The Ravenclaws were whispering amongst themselves, terrified. Then, without warning, there came a series of loud bangs as though someone were firing a gun at the door. Electo! If he comes and we haven't got Potter, you want to go the same way as a Malfoy's? Answer me! Amicus bellowed, shaking the door for all he was worth, but it still did not open. The Ravenclaws were all backing away, and some of the most frightened began scampering back up the staircase to their beds. Then, just as Harry was wondering whether he ought not to blast open the door and stun Amicus before the Death Eater could do anything else, a second, most familiar voice rang out beyond the door. Might I ask what you are doing, Professor Carrow? Trying to get through this damn door, shouted Amicus. Go and get Flitwick. Get him to open it now. But isn't your sister in there? asked Professor McGonagall. Didn't Professor Flitwick let her in earlier this evening at your urgent request? Perhaps she could open the door for you, and then you needn't wake up half the castle? She ain't answering you, old beesome. You open it! Can't do it now! Certainly, if you wish it, said Professor McGonagall with awful coldness. There was a genteel tap of the knocker, and the musical voice asked again. Where do vanished objects go? Into non-being, which is to say everything, replied Professor McGonagall. Nicely phrased, replied the eagle door-knocker, and the door swung open. The few Ravenclaws who had remained sprinted for the stairs as Amicus burst over the threshold, brandishing his wand. Hunched like his sister, he had a pallid, doughy face and tiny eyes, which fell at once on Electo, sprawled motionless on the floor. He let out a yell of fury and fear. "'What have they done, little whelps?' he screamed. "'I'll cruciate the lot of them if they don't tell me who did it! And what's the Dark Lord going to say?' he shrieked, standing over his sister and smacking himself on the forehead with his fist. "'We haven't got him, and they've gone and killed her!' He's, she's only stunned, said Professor McGonagall impatiently, who had stooped down to examine Electo. She'll be perfectly all right. No, she bludgering won't, bellowed Amicus. Not after the Dark Lord gets a hold of her, she's gone and sent for him. I felt me mark burn, and he thinks that we've got Potter. Got Potter, said Professor McGonagall sharply. What do you mean, got Potter? He told us Potter might try and get inside Ravenclaw Tower and to send for him if we caught him. Why would Harry Potter try to get inside Ravenclaw Tower? Potter belongs in my house. Beneath the disbelief and anger, 
Harry heard a little strain of pride in her voice, and affection for Minerva McGonagall gushed up inside him. "'We was told that he might come in here,' said Caro. "'I don't know why, do I?' Professor McGonagall stood up, and her beady eyes swept the room. Twice they passed right over the place where Harry and Luna stood. Uh, "'We can push it off on the kids.' said Amicus, his pig-like face suddenly crafty. Yeah, that's what we'll do. We'll say that Electo was ambushed by the kids, them kids up there. He looked up at the starry ceiling toward the dormitories. We'll say that they forced her to press on her mark. That's why I got a false alarm. He can punish them. A couple of kids, more or less. What's the difference? Only the difference between truth and lies, courage and cowardice, said Professor McGonagall, who had turned pale. A difference, in short, which you and your sister seem unable to appreciate. But let me make one thing very clear. You are not going to pass off your many ineptitudes on the students of Hogwarts. I shall not permit it. Excuse me. Amicus moved forward until he was offensively close to Professor McGonagall, his face within inches of hers. She refused to back away, but looked down at him as if he were something disgusting she had found stuck to a lavatory seat. It's not a case of what you'll permit, Minerva McGonagall. Your time is over. It's us what's in charge here now. And you back me up, or you pay the price. And he spat in her face. Harry pulled the cloak off himself, raised his wand, and said, You shouldn't have done that. As Amicus spun around, Harry shouted, Crucio! The Death Eater was lifted off of his feet. He writhed through the air like a drowning man, thrashing and howling in pain, and then with a crunch and a shattering of glass, he smashed into the front of a bookcase and crumpled, insensible, to the floor. <sighs> I see what Bellatrix meant, said Harry, the blood thundering through his brain. You really need to mean it. Potter, whispered Professor McGonagall, clutching her heart. Potter, you're here. What? what uh, how? She struggled to pull herself together. Potter, that was foolish. He spat at you, said Harry. Potter, I, that was very, very gallant of you, but don't you realize? Yeah, I do, Harry assured her. Somehow her panic steadied him. Professor McGonagall, Voldemort is on the way. Oh, are we allowed to say the name now? Asked Luna with an air of interest, pulling off the invisibility cloak. This appearance of a second outlaw seemed to overwhelm Professor McGonagall, who staggered backward and fell into a nearby chair, clutching at the neck of her old tartan dressing gown. I don't think it really makes a difference what we call him, Harry told Luna. He already knows where I am. In a distant part of Harry's brain, 
the part that connected to the angry, burning scar he could see Voldemort, sailing fast over the dark lake in the ghostly green boat. He had nearly reached the island where the stone basin stood. And a quick question. Lisa says, Sam, your regular voice is kind of soft. Uh, I made an adjustment shortly after you put that in chat. Um, let me know kind of how that is right now, because I definitely don't want to, uh, you know, blow up these chapters with some bad audio. Let me know how my balance is. It helped. Cool. Okay. You must flee, whispered Professor McGonagall. No, Potter, as quickly as you can. I can't, said Harry. There's something I need to do. Professor, do you know where the diadem of Ravenclaw is? The d diadem of Ravenclaw? Of course not. It's been lost for centuries. She sat up a little straighter. Potter, it was madness, utter madness for you to enter this castle. I had to, said Harry. Professor, there's something hidden here that I'm supposed to find, and it could be the diadem if I could just speak to Professor Flitwick. There was a sound of movement, of clinking glass. Amicus was coming round. Before Harry or Luna could act, Professor McGonagall rose to her feet, pointed her wand at the groggy Death Eater, and said, Imperio! Amicus got up, walked over to his sister, picked up her wand, and then shuffled obediently to Professor McGonagall and handed it over alongside his own. Then he lay down on the floor beside Electo, and Professor McGonagall waved her wand again, and a length of shimmering silver rope appeared out of thin air and snaked across the carrows, binding them tightly together. Potter, said Professor McGonagall, turning to face him again with superb indifference to the Caro's predicament. If he who must not be named does indeed know that you are here. As she said it, a wrath that was like physical pain blazed through Harry, setting his scar on fire, and for a second he looked down upon a basin whose potion had turned clear and saw that no golden locket lay safe beneath the surface. Potter, are you all right? said a voice, and Harry came back. He was clutching Luna's shoulder to steady himself. Time is running out. Voldemort is getting nearer. Professor, I'm acting on Dumbledore's orders. I must find what he wanted me to find. But we've got to get the students out while I'm searching the castle. If <laughs> it's me that Voldemort wants. But he won't care about killing a few more or less. Not now. Now that he knows I'm attacking Horcruxes, Harry finished the sentence in his head. You're acting on Dumbledore's orders. He, uh, whoop. You're acting on Dumbledore's orders, she repeated with a look of dawning wonder. Then she drew herself up to her fullest height. We shall secure the school against he who must not be named while you search for this... this object. Is that possible? I think so, said Professor McGonagall dryly. 
We teachers are rather good at magic, you know. I'm sure we will be able to hold him off for a while, if we can all put our best efforts into it. Of course, something will have to be done about Professor Snape. Let me. And if Hogwarts is about to enter a state of siege, with the Dark Lord at the gates, it would indeed be advisable to take as many innocent people out of the way as possible. With the fluid network under observation and apparition impossible within the grounds, there is a way, said Harry quickly, and he explained about the passageway leading into the Hogshead. Potter, we're talking about hundreds of students. I know, Professor, but if Voldemort and the Death Eaters are concentrating on the school boundaries, they won't be interested in anyone who's disapparating out of the Hogshead. Hmm. There is something to that, she agreed. She pointed her wand at the Karos, and a silver net fell upon their bound bodies tied itself around them and hoisted them into the air, where they dangled beneath the blue and gold ceiling like two large, ugly sea creatures. Come, we must alert the other heads of house. You'd better put that cloak back on. She marched toward the door, and as she did so, she raised her wand. From the tip burst three silver cats with spectacle markings around their eyes. The Patronuses ran sleekly ahead, filling the spiral staircase with silvery light, as Professor McGonagall, Harry, and Luna hurried back down. Along the corridors they raced, and one by one the Patronuses left them. Professor McGonagall's tartan dressing gown rustled over the floor, and Harry and Luna jogged behind her underneath the cloak. They had descended two more floors when another set of quiet footsteps joined theirs. Harry whose scar was still prickling, heard them first. He felt in the pouch around his neck for the Marauder's Map, but before he could take it out, McGonagall, too, seemed to become aware of their company. She halted, raised her wand ready to duel, and said, Who's there? It is I, said a low voice. From behind a suit of armor stepped Severus Snape. Hatred boiled up in Harry at the sight of him. He had forgotten the details of Snape's appearance and the magnitude of his crimes. Forgotten how his greasy black hair hung in curtains around his thin face. How his black eyes had a dead, cold look. He was not wearing night clothes, but was dressed in his usual black cloak, and he too was holding his wand ready for a fight. Where are the Keros? he asked quietly. Whatever you told them to be, I expect, Severus, said Professor McGonagall. Snape stepped nearer, and his eyes flitted over Professor McGonagall into the air around her as if he knew... Harry was there. Harry held his wand up, too, ready to attack. I was under the impression, said Snape, that Electro had apprehended an intruder. Really? said Professor McGonagall. And what gave you that impression? Snape made a slight flexing movement of his left arm where the dark mark was branded into his skin. "'Oh, but naturally,' said Professor McGonagall. 
You Death Eaters have got your own private means of communication. I forgot. Snape pretended not to have heard her. His eyes were still probing the air all around her, and he was moving gradually closer, with an air of hardly noticing what he was doing. I did not know that it was your night to patrol the corridors, Minerva. You have some objection? I wonder what could have brought you out of your bed at this late hour. I thought I had a disturbance, said Professor McGonagall. Really? But all seems calm. Snape looked into her eyes. Have you seen Harry Potter, Minerva? Because if you have, I must insist. Professor McGonagall moved faster than Harry could have believed. Her wand slashed through the air, and for a split second, Harry thought that Snape must crumble unconscious. But the swiftness of his shield charm was such that McGonagall was thrown off balance. She brandished her wand at a torch on the wall, and it flew off of its bracket. Harry, about to curse Snape, was forced to pull Luna out of the way of the descending flames, which became a ring of fire that filled the corridor and flew like a lasso at Snape. Then it was no longer fire, but a great black serpent that McGonagall blasted to smoke, which reformed and solidified in seconds to become a swarm of pursuing daggers. Snape avoided them, only by forcing the suit of armor in front of him, and with echoing clangs, the daggers sank one after the other into its breast. "'Minerva!' said a squeaky voice, and behind him, still shielding Luna from flying spells, Harry saw Professor Flitwick and Sprout sprinting up the corridor toward them in their nightgowns, with enormous Professor Slughorn panting along at the rear. "'No!' squealed Flitwick, raising his wand. "'You'll do no more murder at Hogwarts!' Flitwick's spell hit the suit of armor behind which Snape had taken shelter. With a clatter, it came to life. Snape, struggling free of the crashing arms, sent it flying backward toward his attackers. Harry and Luna had to dive sideways to avoid it as it smashed into the wall and shattered. When Harry looked up again, Snape was in full flight. McGonagall, Flitwick, and Sprout all thundering after him. He hurtled through a classroom door, and moments later he heard McGonagall cry, Coward! Coward! What's happened? What's happened? asked Luna. Harry dragged her to her feet, and they raced along the corridor, trailing the invisibility cloak behind them into the deserted classroom where Professors McGonagall, Flitwick, and Sprout were still standing at a smashed window. He jumped, said Professor McGonagall as Harry and Luna ran into the room. You mean he's dead? Harry sprinted to the window, ignoring Flitwick's and Sprout's yells of shock at his sudden appearance. No, he's not dead, said Professor McGonagall bitterly. Unlike Dumbledore, he was still carrying a wand, and he seems to have learned a few tricks from his master. With a tingle of horror, Harry saw in the distance a huge bat-like shape flying through the darkness toward the perimeter wall. There were heavy footfalls behind them, and a great deal of puffing. Slughorn had just caught up. <sighs> Ooh, 
Here I... He panted, massaging his immense chest beneath his emerald green silk pajamas. My dear boy, what a surprise. Minerva, please do explain. Severus, what... Our headmaster is taking a short break, said Professor McGonagall, pointing at the snape-shaped hole in the window. Professor! Harry shouted, his hands at his forehead. He could see the infury-filled lake sliding beneath him, and he felt the ghostly green boat bump into the underground shore, and Voldemort leapt from it with murder in his heart. Professor, we've got to barricade the school! He's coming now! Very well. He who must not be named is coming, she told the other teachers. Sprout and Flitwick gasped. Slughorn let out a low groan. Butter has work to do in the castle on Dumbledore's orders. We need to put in place every protection of which we are capable while Potter does what he needs to do. You realize, of course, that nothing we do will be able to keep out you-know-who indefinitely, squeaked Flitwick. But we can hold him up, said Professor Sprout. Thank you, Pomona, said Professor McGonagall, and between the two witches there passed a look of grim understanding. I suggest that we establish basic protections around the place, then gather our students and meet in the Great Hall. Most must be evacuated, though if any of them are over age and wish to stay and fight, I think they ought to be given the chance. Agreed, said Professor Sprout, already hurrying toward the door. I shall meet you in the Great Hall in twenty minutes with my house. And as she jogged out of sight, they could hear her muttering, Tentacula, Devil Snare, Snargluff Pods. Yeah, I'd like to see those Death Eaters fighting those. I can act from here, said Flitwick, and though he could barely see out of it, he pointed his wand through the smashed window and started muttering incantations of great complexity. Harry heard a weird rushing noise as though Flitwick had unleashed the power of the wind into the grounds. Professor, Harry said, approaching the little charms teacher. Professor, I'm sorry to interrupt, but this is important. Have you got any idea where the diadem of Ravenclaw is? Protecto Horribilis, the diadem of Ravenclaw, squeaked Flitwick. A little extra wisdom never goes amiss, Potter, but I hardly think this would be of any use in this situation. I only meant, do you know where it is? Have you ever seen it? Seen it? Nobody has seen it in living memory. Long since lost, boy. Harry felt a mixture of desperation and disappointment and panic. What, then, was the Horcrux? "'We shall meet you and your Ravenclaws in the Great Hall, Phileas,' said Professor McGonagall, beckoning to Harry and Luna to follow her. They had just reached the door when Slughorn rumbled into speech. "'Oh, my word,' he puffed, pale and sweaty, his walrus mustache a-quiver. "'What ain't to do? I'm not at all sure whether this is wise, Minerva. He is bound to find a way in, you know, and anybody who has tried to delay him will be put in most grievous peril. I shall expect you and the Slytherins in the Great Hall in twenty minutes or so, said Professor McGonagall. 
If you wish to leave with your students, we shall not stop you. But if any of you sabotage our resistance or take up arms against us, well, in this castle, then, Horace, we duel to kill. Minerva, he said, aghast. The time has come for Slytherin House to decide upon its loyalties, interrupted Professor McGonagall. Go and wake your students, Horace. Harry did not stay to watch Slughorn splutter. He and Luna ran after Professor McGonagall, who had taken up a position in the middle of the corridor and raised her wand. Bear totem! Oh, for heaven's sake, Filch, not now! The aged caretaker had just come hobbling into view, shouting, Students out of bed! Students in the corridors! They're supposed to be, you blithering idiot! shouted McGonagall. Now go and do something constructive! Find Peeves! Peeves, stammered Filch, as though he had never heard the name before. Yes, Peeves, you fool, Peeves. Haven't you been complaining about him for a quarter of a century? Go and fetch him at once. Filch evidently thought Professor McGonagall had taken leave of her senses, but hobbled away, hunch-shouldered, muttering under his breath. And now, Piatotum Locomotor cried Professor McGonagall, and all along the corridors the statues and suits of armor jumped down from their plinths, and from the echoing crashes throughout the floors above and below, Harry knew that their fellows throughout the castle had done the same. Hogwarts, he's threatened, shouted Professor McGonagall. Man the boundaries, protect us, do your duty to our school. Clattering and yelling, the horde of moving statues stampeded past Harry, some of them smaller, other larger than life. There were animals, too, and the clinking suits of armor brandished swords and spiked balls on chains. No, Potter, said McGonagall, you and Miss Lovegood had better return to your friends and bring them to the Great Hall. I shall rouse the other Gryffindors. They parted at the top of the next staircase, Harry and Luna running back toward the concealed entrance to the Room of Requirement. As they ran, they met crowds of students, most wearing traveling cloaks under their pajamas, being shepherded down to the Great Hall by teachers and prefects. That was Potter. Harry Potter? It was him, I swear, I just saw him. But Harry did not look back, and at last they reached the entrance to the Room of Requirement. Harry leaned against the enchanted wall which opened to admit them, and he and Luna sped back down the steep staircase. Whoa. As the room came into view, Harry slipped down a few stairs in shock. It was packed, far more crowded than it had been the last time they had been in there. Kingsley and Lupin were looking up at him, as were Oliver Wood, Katie Bell, Angelina Johnson, and Alicia Spinnett, Bill and Fleur, and Mr. and Mrs. Weasley. Harry, what's happened? said Lupin, meeting him at the foot of the stairs. Voldemort is on his way. They're barricading the school. Snape has run for it. What, what are you doing here? How did you know? We sent messages to the rest of Dumbledore's army, Fred explained. You couldn't expect everyone to miss the fun, Harry, and the DA let the Order of the Phoenix know and it all kind of snowballed. What first, Harry? called George. What's going on? 
They're evacuating the younger kids, and everyone's meeting in the Great Hall to get organized, Harry said. We're fighting. There was a great roar and a surge toward the foot of the stairs. He was pressed back against the wall as they ran past him. The mingled numbers of the Order of the Phoenix, Dumbledore's army, and Harry's old Quidditch team, all with their wands drawn, heading up into the main castle. "'Come on, Luna,' Dean called as he passed, holding out his free hand. She took it and followed him back up the stairs. The crowd was thinning. Only a little knot of people remained in the room of requirement below, and Harry joined them. Mrs. Weasley was struggling with Ginny. Around them stood Lupin, Fred, George, Bill, and Fleur. "'You're underage!' Mrs. Weasley shouted at her daughter as Harry approached. "'I won't permit it! The boys, yes, but you! You've got to go home!' "'I won't!' Ginny's hair flew as she pulled her arm out of her mother's grip. I'm in Dumbledore's army. A teenager's gang. A teenager's gang that's about to take him on, which no one else has dared to do, said Fred. She's sixteen, shouted Mrs. Weasley. She's not old enough. What were you two thinking, bringing her with you? Fred and George looked slightly ashamed of themselves. Mum's right, Ginny, said Bill gently. He can't do this. Everyone underage will have to leave, it's only right. I can't go home, Ginny shouted, angry tears sparkling in her eyes. My whole family's here. I can't stand waiting alone, not knowing, and... Her eyes met Harry's for the first time. She looked at him beseechingly, but he shook his head and she turned away, bitterly. Fine, she said, staring at the entrance to the tunnel back to the hogshead. I'll say goodbye now, then. And there was a scuffling and a great thump. Someone else had clambered out of the tunnel, overbalanced slightly and fallen. He pulled himself up on the nearest chair, looking around through lopsided, horn-rimmed glasses, and said, Am I too late? As it started, I, I only just found out, so I, I... I... Percy spluttered into silence. Evidently, he had not expected to run into most of his family. There was a long moment of astonishment, broken by Fleur turning to Lupin and saying, in a wildly transparent attempt to break the tension, So, how is little Teddy? Lupin blinked at her, startled. The silence between the Weasleys seemed to be solidifying, like ice. I... Uh, yes, he's fine, Lupin said loudly. Yes, Tonks is with him, at her mother's. Percy and the other Weasleys were still staring at one another, frozen. Here, I I've got a picture, Lupin shouted, pulling a photograph from inside his jacket and showing it to Fleur and Harry, who saw a tiny baby with a tuft of bright turquoise hair, waving fat fists at the camera. And I'm going to pause for a moment here and just draw some attention to the fact that this was done by Holly Rose, who sent it over to me last night. Holly Rose 14 in Twitch chat. Thank you very much. Hollyrose.art on Instagram. Go get at her. I was a fool! Percy roared so loudly that Lupin nearly dropped his photograph. I was an idiot, a pompous brat. I was a... Uh, uh, 
ministry-loving, family-disowning, power-hungry moron, said Fred. Percy swallowed. Yes, I was. Well, you can't say it much fairer than that, said Fred, holding out his hand to Percy. Mrs. Weasley burst into tears. She ran forward, pushed Fred aside, and pulled Percy into a strangling hug while he patted her on the back, his eyes on his father. I'm sorry, Dad, Percy said. Mr. Weasley blinked rather rapidly. Then he, too, hurried along to hug his son. "'What made you see sense, Purse?' inquired George. "'It's been coming on for quite a while,' said Percy, mopping his eyes under his glasses with a corner of his travelling cloak. "'But I had to find a way out, and it's not too easy at the Ministry. They're imprisoning traitors all the time. I managed to make contact with Aberforth, and he tipped me off ten minutes ago that Hogwarts is going to make a fight of it, so here I am.' Well, we do like uh, our prefix to take a lead at times such as these, said George in a good imitation of Percy's most pompous manner. Now let's get upstairs and fight or all the good Death Eaters will be taken. So, you're my sister-in-law now, said Percy, shaking hands with Fleur as they hurried off toward the staircase with Bill, Fred, and George. Ginny, barked Mrs. Weasley. Ginny had been attempting, under cover of the reconciliation, to sneak upstairs, too. "'Molly, how about this?' said Lupin. "'Why doesn't Ginny stay here? Then at least she'll be able to be on the scene and know what's going on. But she won't be in the middle of the fighting.' "'I... it's a good idea,' said Mr. Weasley firmly. "'Ginny, you stay in this room. Do you hear me?' Ginny did not seem to like the idea very much, but under her father's unusually stern gaze, she nodded. Mr. and Mrs. Weasley and Lupin headed off for the stairs as well. "'Where's Ron?' asked Harry. "'Where's Hermione?' "'They must have gone up to the Great Hall already,' Mr. Weasley called over his shoulder. "'I didn't see them pass me,' said Harry. "'They said something about a bathroom.' said Ginny. Not too long after you left. A bathroom? Harry strode across the room to an open door leading off the room of requirement and checked the bathroom beyond. It was empty. Are you sure that they said bath... But then his scar seared and the room of requirement vanished. He was looking through the high wrought iron gates with winged boars on pillars at either side, looking through the dark grounds toward the castle which was ablaze with lights. Nagini lay draped over his shoulders. He was possessed of that cruel, cold sense of purpose that preceded murder. And I actually felt like it was right to hang out in this photo. I even had a, a second piece that I was going to use, but I decided, you know what? Eh, 
we know what Percy looks like. I'm just going to keep it here. So Holly Rose, thank you very much. Um, and to uh, Rowlett, who helped me find some art, helped me locate other art as well. Thank you a ton. Everyone, that is the end of our first chapter of the evening. Now, I'm going to take my break. I am... I. I'm not going to goof it up this time. I'm going to give you all a um, a, uh, a, <laughs> a chatter break question. But uh, you should know I'm going to be back in five minutes. And we are probably going to roll straight into our next chapter with a little bit of review, of review. Discord things. Rules. Second. Organization. Third. We are doing um, uh, the vote now for when we're going to be reading. So if you're watching this on YouTube, go over to the Discord. You can find the link in the description box. Um, four, of course. Uh, like I said, I am actually changing my mind. We are going to take a brief break between Harry Potter and um, Percy Jackson. I want to take a couple of weeks just to like spend some time. I want to, I do, I, I know I like the idea of a full stream just de dedicated to sitting here and talking with it uh, like we do on Tuesdays, because frankly, it's some of my favorite discussion that I do all throughout my week. Our question for today is going to be, who is it that you, when you, when you are going through this, who is it that you hope to see by your side? And who is it that you hope isn't there? Who is it that you hope is somewhere else, somewhere safer than this? And of course, don't share like personal information. I would say maybe handle it in terms of relationships, etc. But it's all kicking off now, right? This is the moment. Our next chapter is called The Battle of Hogwarts. Harry was coming to this thinking like, okay, this is another part of my mission. This is another step along the way to some greater thing, but I don't know when the end will be. And our next chapter is The Battle of Hogwarts. It looks like the end is very near. Ashmore, yeah, she is only a year away from being of age, but again, like, consider it from both of their perspectives. From from Ginny's perspective, of course, like, I am only a year away from being of age, which makes her 16. But then think about the 16-year-olds in your life. Do you want them, like, th even, if, even if you are 16 or younger, think about the people of those ages. Do you look at them and think, yeah, I would send them into a war zone, right? So, consider that. That's our question. Who do you want by your side and who do you hope isn't there? I'll be back in five minutes and we're going to go on to our second and longer chapter for the night. I'll see you all in five. Bye-bye. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. How are you? How's everybody doing? Your god brother's back. And your god brother's going to make you an offer that you can't refuse. That's a terrible, oh, that was awful. Everyone, my offer, which I don't think you'll be refusing, is to very quickly move into our next chapter. The discussion is a tough one, of course, right? Because we can approach this question of who would we want with us in this fight and, and who would we not in a couple of different ways. And I think some of it is about how protective you are of people. Um, and uh, I, part of it is about how much you think, uh, you know, they deserve versus you deserve um, in terms of your own impact on the situation. It's a very tough question, right? And it's one that has been... Um, uh, overlooked in a lot of this literature. It's one of the things that I wanted to talk about um, last week, of course, with this issue of perspective, right? Um, and along that same vein, I think we're in a situation here where it's not like, oh yeah, of course everyone fights. Um, uh, but I think there are many different answers, much in the same way that, um, you know, like like there's the perspective between Albus Dumbledore and Aberforth Dumbledore. Um, 
and you know, uh, I think either one of them could be could be looked at as as valid. They're both very challenging. Unfortunately, there's no right answer to this. I would love to you know be able to come back to this and you know like on our Tuesdays, I feel like we come to some actual conclusions, but this one's just too complex. Um, I think I think there are arguments both for and I'll, I'm going to try and couch it in terms of the Albus sort of thought and the um, um, uh, Aberforth school of thought. Um, Albus, of course, is interested in fighting, but he's also sort of occupied with grand ideals about fighting. Um, less about, you know, the, the perhaps less about the realities of what it is to fight. Whereas Aberforth, um, although I think we, it would be very easy to look at Aberforth and think like, oh, that's the wrong way. Of course, there's this big thing to fight, but rewind a bit and consider if folks were sort of on the, had the Aberforth school of thought from the beginning, um, where you you need to be sort of attentive. Uh, well, um, would we end up in the in the position we're in now? Very complicated. Anyway, Shehanigans, thank you very much for your Prime subscription. Uh, everyone, uh, Angels of Death, hello, welcome, good to have you here. Um, uh, like I said, I don't think there's a there's a right answer to this, um, so I'm not going to try and offer you one. What I am going to offer you is a deal that you can't refuse, and the deal is I'm going to do a quick review of our last chapter. Pretty straightforward, frankly, um, because a lot of it is sort of like hemming and hawing. Um, we find out sort of where different teachers lie on the spectrum of of this sort of school of thought. Like, do we try to resist Voldemort? Because if we do, like, it's going to be worse for the folks who did. And he's gonna get in. That's where that's where uh, Slughorn is at. But let's rewind a little bit further. Um, Harry is hidden with Luna, um, but has just had this cover blown in the uh, Ravenclaw common room. The other Caro sibling shows up. Um, Amicus is there trying to get in. Uh, McGonagall is suddenly there, and uh, through a, a quick series of events, the Amicus siblings are dealt with. Um, they're both, you know magically bound up and Harry and McGonagall have a chance to talk. Harry reveals, I am here on a mission from Dumbledore. McGonagall doesn't even ask what it is, only that, uh, you know, the ways in which she's going to be able to help out. Um, and Harry basically says, like, we need to prevent Voldemort from getting in just as long as we can. And the two of them devise this plan. They're going to collect the students in the Great Hall, send as many of them out through the passageway into Aberforth's tavern as they can, um, uh, hoping that the distraction at Hogwarts itself is going to be sufficient. But uh, the teachers are going to do what they can to defend the castle in the meantime. Now, um, we have got uh, quite the quite the little group of teachers. Um, uh, her nope, not Hermione. Excuse me, McGonagall um, casts some activation spells on all of the various statues in the um, uh, in the castle. Flitwick is um, uh, doing some sort of very powerful charm magic that seems kind of mysterious. Even Professor Sprout uh, is sort of brainstorming different, very challenging plants that she can throw probably literally at the Death Eaters. Um, and Snape has an encounter with McGonagall. Harry and Luna are hidden underneath the invisibility cloak. And um, Snape shows up and seems to be suspicious that something is going on. McGonagall realizes now is the time, if any. Uh, she gets into a very quick duel with Snape, and he escapes out a window. Um, 
apparently he learned to fly from Voldemort because he had his wand on him, and although he jumped out of a high window, he's not dead. Um, he has disappeared, don't know where he's at, but um, he's no longer sort of present at the school, and the Caro siblings are tied up, so it looks like the teachers are back in charge, at least for right now. Um, they make their preparations. Slughorn indicates, like, Slughorn says what I mentioned before about, you know, uh, he's going to get in. It's going to be worse off for the, for the folks who do resist, um, which I think we can agree that right now, at least, that's a bad plan. Um, it's going to be worse for everybody regardless. Um, so I think that one's a pretty clean cut one. Uh, it's, I think, just a reflection of Slughorn's, well, his selfishness, his self-centeredness, his his um, uh, his his primary concern is his own self. Um, and McGonagall very sternly tells him, listen, you can leave with your students if you want, but I expect your students to be in the Great Hall so we can get them out of this building. And if you or any of your students uh, decide to hinder us in our efforts or take up arms against us, we duel to kill, which, oh, baby. Can you, like, think about your teachers right now. Think about the teachers in your school um, and imagine them having this conversation. You know, they have to lock up the school against some threat outside. You know, we can do some sort of weird Red Dawn scenario or what have you. But, um, yeah, they have to have this conversation. And McGonagall seems to understand now is the moment for very strong action. Um, we leave off with this uh, after uh, a scene in which Percy Weasley shows back up. Uh, it seems like all the Weasleys are here. Not just the Weasleys, but um, uh, I don't think we saw Kingsley, but Lupin is here. Um, and uh, uh, let's see, are there, I mean, are, are there even others? Who else did I see in there? Anyway, uh, a bunch of adults have arrived. Um, uh, folks who are part of the Order of the Phoenix. And, um, well, they're ready to fight. Uh, it seems like the word has gotten around. They're going to make a stand at Hogwarts and it's time. Um, Lupin, nope, uh, Percy reunites with his family, he admits he was a fool, um, and he is, uh, um, he is sort of welcomed back, um, but now we're in a position where, uh, they're all going up to the Great Hall, Harry stays behind, uh, because he's, of course, got this other, more secret mission, and he looks around and f finds, uh, Ron and Hermione are nowhere to be seen. He's not sure where they are, and then suddenly he gets a vision from Voldemort. Voldemort is just outside the gates of the castle. And everyone, thank you very much for being here with me. My name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. If you would like the back catalog of um, all the episodes here, you can use this command, uh, and it should work for you. Um, I'm assuming my bot is just catching up. There we go. That's the YouTube playlist for all the back episodes. Thank you all so very much, everyone who has joined me here for, for so many months, uh, even years, some of you. Thank you all very much. And like I said, normally I'd like to do more discussion, but today we are rolling. Let's go. Chapter 31. The Battle of Hogwarts. The enchanted ceiling of the Great Hall was dark and scattered with stars, and below it the four long house tables were lined with disheveled students, some in traveling cloaks, others in dressing gowns. Here and there shone the pearly white figures of the school ghosts. Every eye, living and dead, was fixed on Professor McGonagall, who was speaking from the raised platform at the top of the hall. 
Behind her stood the remaining teachers, including the Palomino Centaur, Firenze, and the members of the Order of the Phoenix who had arrived to fight. Evacuation will be overseen by Mr. Filch and Madame Pomfrey. Prefects, when I give the word, you will organize your house and take your charges in an orderly fashion to the evacuation point. Many of the students looked terrified. However, as Harry skirted the walls, scanning the Gryffindor table for Ron and Hermione, Ernie McMillan stood up at the Hufflepuff table and shouted, And what if we want to stay and fight? There was a smattering of applause. If you are of age, you may stay, said Professor McGonagall. Uh, what about our things? called the girl at the Ravenclaw table. Our trunks? Our owls? We will have no time to collect possessions, said Professor McGonagall. The important thing is to get you out of here safely. Where's Professor Snape? shouted a girl from the Slytherin table. He has, to use the common phrase, done a bunk, replied Professor McGonagall, and a great cheer erupted from the Gryffindors, Hufflepuffs, and Ravenclaws. Harry moved up the hall alongside the Gryffindor table, still looking for Ron and Hermione. As he passed, faces turned in his direction, and a great deal of whispering broke out in his wake. "'We have already placed protection around the castle,' Professor McGonagall was saying. "'But it is unlikely to hold for very long unless we reinforce it. I must ask you, therefore, to move quickly and calmly, and do as your prefects—' But her final words were drowned as a different voice echoed through the hall. It was high, cold, and clear. There was no telling where it came from. It seemed to issue from the walls themselves. Like the monster it had once commanded, it might have lain dormant there for centuries. "'I know that you are preparing to fight?' There were screams amongst the students, some of whom clutched at each other, looking around in terror for the source of the sound. "'Your efforts are futile. You cannot fight me. I do not want to kill you. I have great respect for the teachers of Hogwarts. I do not wish to spill magical blood.' There was silence in the hall now, the kind of silence that presses against the eardrums that seems too huge to be contained by walls. "'Give me Harry Potter,' said Voldemort's voice, "'and none shall be harmed. Give me Harry Potter and I shall leave the school untouched. Give me Harry Potter and you will be.' Rewarded. You have until midnight. The silence swallowed them all again. Every head turned, every eye in the place seemed to have found Harry, to hold him frozen in the glare of a thousand invisible beams. And then a figure rose from the Slytherin table, and he recognized Pansy Parkinson as she raised a shaking arm and screamed, but he's there! Potter's there! Someone grab him! Before Harry could speak, there was a massive movement. The Gryffindors in front of him had risen and stood facing, not Harry, but the Slytherins. 
Then the Hufflepuffs stood, and almost at the same moment, the Ravenclaws, all of them with their backs to Harry, all of them looking toward Pansy instead. And Harry, awestruck and overwhelmed, saw wands emerging everywhere, pulled from beneath cloaks and from under sleeves. Thank you, Miss Parkinson, said Professor McGonagall in a clipped voice. You will leave the hall first with Mr. Filch, if the rest of your house could follow. Harry heard the grinding of benches and the sound of the Slytherins trooping out on the other side of the hall. Ravenclaws, follow on, cried Professor McGonagall. Slowly the four tables emptied, and Slytherin table was completely deserted, but a number of older Ravenclaws remained seated while their fellows filed out. Even more Hufflepuffs stayed behind, and half of the Gryffindors remained in their seats, necessitating Professor McGonagall's descent from the teacher's platform to chivy the underaged on their way. Absolutely not, Creevy. Go, and you peeks. Harry hurried over to the Weasleys, all sitting together at the Gryffindor table. Where are Ron and Hermione? Haven't you found, began Mr. Weasley, looking worried, but he broke off as Kingsley had stepped forward on the raised platform to address those who had remained behind. We only have got half an hour until midnight, so we need to act fast. A battle plan has been agreed on between the teachers of Hogwarts and the Order of the Phoenix. Professors Flitwick, Sprout, and McGonagall are going to take groups of fighters up to the three highest towers, Ravenclaw, Astronomy, and Gryffindor, where they will have a good overview. Excellent positions from which to work spells. Meanwhile, Remus, he indicated Lupin, Arthur, he pointed toward Mr. Weasley sitting at the Gryffindor table, and I will take up groups to the grounds. We will need someone to organize defenses of the entrances of the passageways into the school. That sounds like a job for us, called Fred, indicating himself and George, and Kingsley nodded his approval. All right, lead us up here, and we'll divide up into the troops. Potter, said Professor McGonagall, hurrying up to him as students flooded the platform, jostling for position, receiving instructions. Aren't you supposed to be looking for something? What? Oh, said Harry. Oh, yes. He had almost forgotten about the Horcrux. Almost forgotten that the battle was being fought so that he could search for it. The inexplicable absence of Ron and Hermione had momentarily driven every other thought from his mind. Then go, Potter, go! Right, yes. He sensed eyes following him as he ran out of the Great Hall again, into the entrance hall still crowded with evacuating students. He allowed himself to be swept up the marble staircase with them, but at the top he hurried along a deserted corridor. Fear and panic were clouding his thought processes. He tried to calm himself, to concentrate on finding the Horcrux, but his thoughts buzzed as frantically and fruitlessly as wasps trapped beneath a glass. Without Ron and Hermione to help him, he could not seem to marshal his ideas. He slowed down coming to a halt halfway along an empty passage where he sat down upon a plinth of a departed statue and pulled the marauder's map out of the pouch around his neck. He could not see Ron's or Hermione's names anywhere on it, though the density of the room, the crowded dots, now making their way to the room of requirement, might, he thought, be concealing them. He put the map away, pressed his hands over his face, and closed his eyes, 
trying to concentrate. Voldemort thought I would go to Ravenclaw Tower. There it was, a solid fact, the place to start. Voldemort had stationed Alecto Caro in the Ravenclaw common room, and there could only be one explanation. Voldemort feared that Harry already knew his Horcrux was connected to that house. But the only object anyone seemed to associate with Ravenclaw was the lost diadem. And how could the Horcrux be the diadem? How was it possible that Voldemort, the Slytherin, had found the diadem that had eluded generations of Ravenclaws? Who could have told him where to look when no one had seen the diadem in living memory? In living memory. Beneath his fingers, Harry's eyes flew open again. He leapt up from the plinth and tore back the way he had come, now in pursuit of his one last hope. The sound of hundreds of people marching toward the Room of Requirement grew louder and louder as he returned to the marble stairs. Prefects were shouting instructions, trying to keep track of the students in their own houses. There was much pushing and shoving. Harry saw Zacharias Smith bowling over first years to get to the front of the queue. Here and there, younger students were in tears, while older ones called desperately for friends or siblings. Harry caught sight of a pearly white figure drifting along the entrance hall below and yelled as loudly as he could over the clamor, Nick! Nick, I need to talk to you! He forced his way back through the tide of students, finally reaching the bottom of the stairs where nearly headless Nick, ghost of Gryffindor Tower, stood waiting for him. Harry, my dear boy! Nick had made to grasp Harry's hands with both of his own. Harry's felt as though they had been thrust into icy water. Nick, you've got to help me. Who is the ghost of Ravenclaw Tower? Nearly headless Nick looked surprised and a little offended. The great lady, of course, but if, if it is ghostly services you require, I've got to see her. Do you know where she is? Hmm, let's see. Nick's head wobbled a little on his ruff, and he turned hither and thither, peering over the heads of the swarming students. Mm, that's her over there, Harry, the young woman with the long hair. Harry looked in the direction of Nick's transparent pointing finger, and saw a tall ghost, who caught sight of Harry looking at her, raised her eyebrows, and drifted away through a solid wall. Harry ran after her. Once through the door of the corridor into which she had appeared, he saw her at the very end of the passage, still gliding smoothly away from him. Wait! Wait! Come back! She consented to pause, floating a few inches from the ground. Harry supposed that she was beautiful, with her waist-length hair and floor-length cloak, but she also looked haughty and proud. Close to, he recognized her as a ghost he had passed several times in the corridor, but to whom he had never spoken. You're the Grey Lady? She nodded, but did not speak. The ghost of Ravenclaw Tower. That is correct. Her tone was not encouraging. Please, I need some help. I need to know anything that you can tell me about the lost diadem. A cold smile curved her lips. I am afraid, she said, turning to leave, that I cannot help you. Wait! 
He had not meant to shout, but anger and panic were threatening to overwhelm him. He glanced at his watch as she hovered in front of him. It was a quarter to midnight. This is urgent, he said fiercely. If that diadem is at Hogwarts, I've got to find it. Fast! You are hardly the first student to covet the diadem, she said disdainfully. Generations of students have badgered me. It's not about trying to get better marks, Harry shouted at her. It's about Voldemort, defeating Voldemort. Or aren't you interested in that? She could not blush, but her transparent cheeks became more opaque, and her voice was heated as she replied, Of course. How dare you suggest? Well, help me then. Her composure was slipping. It is it is not a question of... She stammered. My mother's diadem. Your mother's? She looked angry with herself. When I lived, she said stiffly, I was Helena Ravenclaw. You're her daughter. But then you must know what happened to it. Well, the diadem bestows wisdom, she said, in an obvious effort to pull herself together. I doubt it would greatly increase your chances of defeating the wizard who calls himself Lord... Haven't I just told you I'm not interested in wearing it? Harry said fiercely. There's no time to explain. But if you care about Hogwarts... If you want to see Voldemort finished, you've got to tell me anything you know about the diadem. She remained quite still, floating in midair, staring down at him, and a sense of hopelessness engulfed Harry. Of course. If she had known anything, she would have told Flitwick or Dumbledore, who surely would have asked her the same question. He had shaken his head and made to turn away, when she spoke in a low voice. I stole the diadem from my mother. You... you did what? I stole the diadem, repeated Helena Ravenclaw in a whisper. I sought to make myself cleverer, more important than my mother. I ran away with it. He did not know how he had managed to gain her confidence, and did not ask. He simply listened hard as she went on. My mother, they say, never admitted that the diadem was gone, but pretended she had it still. She concealed her loss, my dreadful betrayal even from the other founders of Hogwarts. Then my mother fell ill, fatally ill, in spite of my perfidy, she was desperate to see me one more time. She sent a man who had long loved me, though I had spurned his advances, to find me. She knew he would not rest until he had done so. Harry waited. She drew a deep breath and threw back her head. He tracked me to the forest where I was hiding. When I refused to return with him, he became violent. The Baron was always a hot-tempered man, furious at my refusal, jealous of my freedom. He stabbed me. The Baron? You mean... The bloody Baron, yes, said the Grey Lady, and she lifted aside the cloak she wore to reveal a single dark wound in her white chest. When he saw what he had done, he was overcome with remorse. He took the weapons that had claimed my life and used it to kill himself. All of these centuries later, 
he wears his chains as an act of penitence. As he should, she added bitterly. And, and the diadem? It remained where I had hidden it when I heard the baron blundering through the forest toward me, concealed inside a hollow tree. A hollow tree, repeated Harry. What tree? Where was this? A forest in Albania. A lonely place I thought was far beyond my mother's reach. Albania, repeated Harry. Sense was emerging miraculously from confusion, and now he understood why she was telling him what she had denied Dumbledore and Flitwick. You've already told someone this story, haven't you? Another student. She closed her eyes and nodded. I had no idea. He was flattering. He seemed to to understand, to sympathize. Yes, Harry thought, Tom Riddle would certainly have understood Helena Ravenclaw's desire to possess fabulous objects to which she had little right. Well, you weren't the first person that Riddle wormed things out of, Harry muttered. He could be charming when he wanted. So... Voldemort had managed to wheedle the location of the lost diadem out of the Grey Lady. He had traveled to that far-flung forest and retrieved the diadem from its hiding place, perhaps as soon as he left Hogwarts, before he even started to work at Borgen and Burks. And wouldn't those secluded Albanian woods have seemed an excellent refuge when, so much later, Voldemort had needed a place to lie low, undisturbed for ten long years? The diadem, once it had become his precious horcrux, had not been left in that lowly tree. No, the diadem had been returned secretly to its true home, and Voldemort must have put it there. The night he asked for a job, said Harry, finishing his thought. I beg your pardon? He hid the diadem in the castle, the night that he asked Dumbledore to let him teach, said Harry. Saying it out loud enabled him to make sense of it all. He must have hidden the diadem on his way up to or down from Dumbledore's office, but it, it was still worth trying to get the job. Then he might have had a chance to nick Gryffindor's sword as well. Thank you. Thanks. Harry left her floating there, looking utterly bewildered. As he rounded the corner back to the entrance hall, he checked his watch. It was five minutes until midnight. And though he now knew what the last Horcrux was, he was no closer to discovering where it was. Generations of students had failed to find the diadem. That suggested that it was not in Ravenclaw Tower. But if not there, where? What hiding place had Tom Riddle discovered inside Hogwarts Castle that he believed would remain secret forever? Lost in desperate speculation, Harry turned a corner. But he had only taken a few steps down the new corridor when the window to his left broke open with a deafening, shattering crash. As he leapt aside, a gigantic body flew in through the window and hit the opposite wall. Something large and furry detached itself, whimpering from the new arrival, and flung itself at Harry. Hagrid! Harry bellowed, fighting off Fang the Boarhound's attentions as the enormous bearded figure clambered to his feet. What the? 
Hurry! You're here! You're here! Hagrid stooped down, bestowed upon Harry a cursory and rib-cracking hug, then ran back to the shattered window. As a good boy, Groppy! He bellowed through the hole in the window. I'll see you in a moment. There's a good lad. Beyond Hagrid, out in the dark night, Harry saw bursts of light in the distance and heard a weird, keening scream. He looked down at his watch. The battle had begun. Blimey, Harry, panted Hagrid. This is it, eh? Time for a fight? Hagrid, where have you come from? I heard you-know-who from up in our cave, said Hagrid grimly. That voice carried, didn't it? You got till midnight at Gimme Potter. He must know that you're here. He must know what be happening. Get down, Fang. So we'll come to join you, me and Groppy and Fang. Smashed our way through the boundary by the forest. Groppy was carrying us, Fang and me. I told him to let me down at the castle, so he shoved me up through the window. Bless him. Not exactly what I meant, but... Hey, where's... Where's Ron and Hermione? That, said Harry, is a really good question. Come on. They hurried together along the corridor, Fang lolloping beside them. Harry could hear movements through the corridor all around. Running footsteps, shouts. Through the windows, he could see more flashes of light in the dark grounds. Where are we going? puffed Hagrid, pounding along at Harry's heels, making the floorboards quake. I dunno exactly, said Harry, making another random turn. But Ron and Hermione must be around here somewhere. The first casualties of the battle were already strewn across the passage ahead. The two stone gargoyles that usually guarded the entrance to the staff room had been smashed apart by a jinx that had sailed through another broken window. Their remains stirred feebly on the floor, and as Harry leapt over one of their disembodied heads, it moaned faintly, Oh yeah, don't mind me, I'll just lie here and crumble. Its ugly stone face made Harry think suddenly of the marble bust of Rowena Ravenclaw at Xenophilius's house, wearing that mad headdress, and then of the statue in Ravenclaw Tower, with the stone diadem upon her white curls. As he reached the end of the passage, the memory of a third stone effigy came back to him, that of an ugly old warlock, onto whose head Harry himself had placed a wig at a battered old tiara. The shock shot through Harry with the heat of fire whiskey, and he nearly stumbled. He knew, at last, where the Horcrux sat waiting for him. Tom Riddle, who confided in no one and operated alone, might have been arrogant enough to assume that he, and only he, had penetrated the deepest mysteries of Hogwarts Castle. Of course, Dumbledore and Flitwick... Those model pupils had never set foot in that particular place, but he, Harry, had strayed off the beaten path in his time at school. Here, at last, was a secret he and Voldemort knew that Dumbledore had never discovered. He was roused by Professor Sprout, who went thundering past, followed by Neville and a half-dozen others, all of them wearing earmuffs and carrying what appeared to be large potted plants. Bandrakes! Neville shouted at Harry over his shoulder as he ran. Go to lob them down over the walls. They won't like this. Harry knew now where to go. He sped off, with Hagrid and Fang galloping along behind him. 
They passed portrait after portrait, and the painted figures raced alongside them, witches and wizards in ruffs and breeches, in armor and cloaks, cramming themselves into each other's canvases, screaming news from other parts of the castle. As they reached the end of the corridor, the whole castle shook, and Harry knew as a gigantic vase flew off its plinth with explosive force that it was in the grip of enchantments more sinister than those of the teachers and the order. It's all right, Fang! It's all right! yelled Hagrid, but the great boarhound had taken flight as slivers of china flew like shrapnel through the air, and Hagrid pounded off after the terrified dog, leaving Harry alone. He forged on through the trembling passages, his wand at the ready, and for the length of one corridor, the little painted knight, Sir Cadogan, rushed from painting to painting beside him, clanking along in his armor, screaming encouragements, his fat little pony cantering along behind him. Braggarts and rogues, dogs and scoundrels, drive them out, Harry Potter, seize them off! Harry hurtled around a corner and found Fred and a small knot of other students, including Lee Jordan and Hannah Abbott, standing beside one another at an empty plinth whose statue had concealed a secret passageway. Their wands were drawn, and they were listening at the concealed hole. A nice night for it, Fred shouted as the castle quaked again and Harry sprinted by, elated and terrified in equal measure. Along yet another corridor he dashed, and then there were owls everywhere, and Mrs. Norris was hissing and trying to bat at them with her paws, no doubt to return them to their proper place. Potter! Aberforth Dumbledore stood blocking the corridor ahead, his wand held at the ready. I had a hundred kids thundering through my pub, Potter! I know, we're evacuating, Harry said. Voldemort's... Attacking because they haven't handed you over, yeah, said Aberforth. I'm not deaf. The whole of Hogsmeade heard him. Had it never occurred to you to keep any of the Slytherins hostage? There are kids of Death Eaters you've just sent to safety. Wouldn't it have been smarter to keep them here? It wouldn't stop Voldemort, said Harry, and your brother would never have done it. Aberforth grunted and tore away in the opposite direction. Your brother would never have done it. Well, it was the truth, Harry thought, as he ran on again. Dumbledore, who had defended Snape for so long, would never have held students ransom. And then he skidded along a final corridor, and with a yell of mingled relief and fury, he saw them, Ron and Hermione, both with their arms full of long, curved, dirty yellow objects, Ron with a broomstick under his arm. Where the hell have you been? Harry shouted. Chamber of Secrets, said Ron. Chamber of... What? said Harry, coming to an unsteady halt before them. It was Ron all Ron's idea, said Hermione breathlessly. Wasn't it absolutely brilliant? There we were, after you'd left, and I said to Ron, even if we find another one, how are we going to get rid of it? We still haven't got rid of the cup. And then he thought of it. The basilisk. What the... Something to get rid of all crookses, said Ron simply. Harry's eyes dropped to the objects clutched in Ron's and Hermione's arms. Great curved fangs, torn, he now realized, from the skull of a dead basilisk. But how did you get in there? He said, staring from the fangs to Ron. You need to speak Parseltongue. He did, whispered Hermione. Show him, Ron. Ron made a horrible, strangled, kissing noise. It's what you did to open up the locket. He told Harry apologetically. 
I did have to take a few goes at it to get it right, but... He shrugged modestly. We got there in the end. He was amazing, said Hermione. Amazing. So... Harry was struggling to keep up. So... So we had another whole crooks down, said Ron, and from under his jacket he pulled the mangled remains of Hufflepuff's cup. Hermione stabbed it. I thought she should. She hasn't had the pleasure yet. Genius, yelled Harry. It was nothing, said Ron, though he looked delighted with himself. So what's new with you? As he said it, there was an explosion from overhead. All three of them looked up as the dust fell from the ceiling and they heard a distant scream. I know what the diadem looks like. I know where it is, said Harry, talking fast. He hid it exactly where I hid my old potions book, where everyone has been hiding stuff for centuries. He thought that he was the only one to find it. Come on. As the walls trembled again, he led the other two back through the concealed entrance and down the staircase into the room of requirement. It was empty, except for three women— Ginny, Tonks, and an elderly witch wearing a moth-eaten hat whom Harry recognized immediately as Neville's grandmother. Ah, Potter, she said crisply, as though she had been waiting for him. You can tell us what has been going on. Is everyone okay? said Ginny and Tonks together. As far as we know, said Harry. Are there still people in the passage to the Hogshead? He knew that the room would not be able to transform while there were still users inside it. "'I was the last to come through,' said Mrs. Longbottom. "'I sealed it. I think it unwise to leave it open now that Eberforth has left his pub. Have you seen my grandson?' "'He's fighting,' said Harry. "'Naturally,' said the old lady proudly. "'Excuse me, I must go and assist him.' With surprising speed, she trotted off toward the stone steps. Harry looked at Tonks. I thought you were supposed to be with Teddy at your mother's. I, I, I couldn't stand not knowing, Tonks looked anguished. Still look after him. Have you seen Remus? He was planning to lead a group of fighters into the grounds. Without another word, Tonks sped off. Ginny, said Harry, I'm sorry, but we need you to leave too, just for a bit, and then you can come back in. Ginny looked simply delighted to leave her sanctuary. "'And then you can come back in!' he shouted after her as she ran up the steps after Tonks. "'You've got to come back in!' "'Hang on a moment,' said Ron sharply. "'We've forgotten someone.' "'Who?' asked Hermione. "'The house elves. "'They'll be all down in the kitchen, won't they?' "'You mean we ought to get them fighting?' asked Harry. "'No,' said Ron seriously. "'I mean that we should tell them to get out.' We don't want any more dobbies, do we? We can't order them to die for us. There was a clatter as the basilisk fangs cascaded out of Hermione's arms. Running at Ron, she flung them around his neck and kissed him full on the mouth. Ron threw away the fangs and broomstick he was holding and responded with such enthusiasm he lifted Hermione off her feet. Is this the moment? Harry asked weakly, and when nothing happened except that Ron and Hermione gripped each other still more firmly and swayed on the spot... He raised his voice. Oi! There's a war going on here! Ron and Hermione broke apart, their arms still around each other. I know, mate, 
said Ron, who looked as though he had recently been hit in the back of the head with a bludger. So it's now or never, isn't it? Never mind that. What about the Horcrux? Harry shouted. Do you think you could just, just hold it in until we've got the diadem? Yeah, right. Sorry, said Ron, and he and Hermione set about gathering up the fangs, both pink in the face. It was clear, as the three of them stepped back into the corridor upstairs, that in the minutes they had spent in the Room of Requirement, the situation within the castle had deteriorated severely. The walls and ceiling were shaking worse than ever. Dust filled the air, and through the nearest window, Harry saw bursts of green and red light. So close to the foot of the castle, he knew the Death Eaters must be very near to entering the place. Looking down, Harry saw Grop the Giant meandering past swinging what looked like a stone gargoyle torn from the roof and roaring his displeasure. "'Let's hope that he steps on some of them,' said Ron, as more screams echoed from close by. "'As long as it's not any of our lots,' said a voice. Harry turned and saw Ginny and Tonks, both with their wands drawn at the next window, which was missing several panes. Even as he watched, Ginny sent a well-aimed jinx into a crowd of fighters below." "'Good girl!' roared a figure, running through the dust toward them, and Harry saw Aberforth again, his gray hair flying as he let a small group of students past. "'They look like I might be breaching the North Battlements. They've brought giants of their own!' "'Have you seen Remus?' Tonks called after him. "'He's dueling Dolohov!' shouted Aberforth. "'Haven't seen him since!' "'Tonks,' said Ginny. "'Tonks, I'm sure that he's okay.' But Tonks had run off into the dust after Aberforth. Ginny turned, helpless, to Harry, Ron, and Hermione. They'll be all right, said Harry, though he knew they were empty words. Ginny, we'll be back in a moment. Just keep out of the way. Keep safe. Come on, he said to Ron and Hermione, and they ran back through the stretch of wall beyond which the room of requirement was waiting to do the bidding of its next entrant. I need a place where everything is hidden. Harry begged of it inside his head, and the door materialized on their third run past. The furor of the battle died the moment they crossed the threshold and closed the door behind them. All was silent. They were in a place the size of a cathedral, with the appearance of a city, its towering walls built of objects hidden by thousands of long-gone students. And they never realized that anyone could get in, said Ron, his voice echoing in the silence. He thought he was the only one, said Harry. Too bad for him, I've had to hide my stuff in my time. This way, he added. I think it's down here. He passed the stuffed troll in the vanishing cabinet Draco Malfoy had mended the year before, with such disastrous consequences, then hesitated, looking up and down aisles of junk, he could not remember where to go next. I go diadem, cried Hermione in desperation, but nothing flew through the air toward them. It seemed that, like the vault at Gringotts, the room would not yield its hidden objects that easily. Let's split up, Harry told the other two. Look for a stone bust of an old man wearing a wig and a tiara. It's standing on a cupboard, and it's definitely somewhere near here. He sped off. And they sped alongside him up adjacent aisles. Harry could hear the other's footsteps echoing through the towering piles of junk. Of bottles, hats, crates, chairs, books, 
weapons, broomsticks, hats. Somewhere near here, Harry muttered to himself. Somewhere, somewhere. Deeper and deeper into the labyrinth he went, looking for objects he recognized from his one previous trip into the room. His breath was loud in his ears, and then his very soul seemed to shiver. There it was. Right ahead, the blistering old cupboard in which he had hidden his old potions book, and on top of it, the pockmarked stone warlock wearing a dusty old wig and what looked like an ancient, discolored tiara. He had already reached out his hand, though he remained ten feet away when a voice behind him said, Hold it, Potter. He skidded to a halt and turned around. Crab and Goyle were standing behind him, shoulder to shoulder, their wands pointed right at Harry. Through the small space between their jeering faces, he saw Draco Malfoy. "'That's my wand you're holding, Potter,' said Malfoy, pointing his own through the gap between Crab and Goyle. "'Not any more,' panted Harry, tightening his grip on the Hawthorne wand. "'Winners keepers, Malfoy. Who's lent you theirs?' "'My mother,' said Draco. Harry laughed, though there was nothing very humorous about the situation. He could not hear Ron or Hermione anymore. They seemed to have run out of earshot, searching for the diadem. "'So how come you three aren't with Voldemort?' asked Harry. "'We're gonna be rewarded,' said Crab. His voice was surprisingly soft for such an enormous person. Harry had hardly ever heard him speak before. Crab was smiling like a child promised a large bag of sweets. "'We hung back, Potter. We decided not to go. Decided to bring you to him.' "'Good plan!' said Harry in mock admiration. He could not believe he was this close, and he was going to be thwarted by Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle. He began edging slowly backward toward the place where the Horcrux sat lopsided upon the bust. If he could just get his hands on it before the fight broke out. So how did you get in here? he asked, trying to distract them. I virtually lived in the room of hidden things all of last year said Malfoy, his voice brittle. I know how to get in. We was hiding in the corridor outside, grunted Goyle. We can do disillusion charms now, and then, his face split into a gormless grin, you turned right up in front of us and said you were looking for a diadem. What's a diadem? Harry? Ron's voice echoed suddenly from the other side of the wall to Harry's right. Are you talking to someone? With a whip-like movement, Crab pointed his wand at the fifty-foot mountain of old furniture, broken books, old robes, and unidentifiable junk, and shouted, Descend, though. The wall began to totter, and the top third crumbled into the aisle next door where Ron stood. Ron! Harry bellowed. As somewhere out of sight, Hermione screamed, and Harry heard innumerable objects crashing to the floor on the other side of the destabilized wall. He pointed his wand at the rampart, cried, Finite! And it steadied. No! shouted Malfoy, staying Crab's arm as the latter made to repeat the spell. If you wreck the room, you might bury this diadem thing. 
What's that matter? said Crab, tugging himself free. It's Potter the Dark Lord wants. Who cares about a diadem? Potter came in here to get it, said Malfoy with ill-disguised impatience at the slow-wittedness of his colleagues. So that must mean... Must mean... Crab turned on Malfoy with undisguised ferocity. Who cares what you think? I don't take your orders no more, Draco. You and your dad are finished. Hurry! shouted Ron again from the other side of the junk wall. What's going on? Hurry! mimicked Crab. What's going on? No, Potter. Crucio. Harry had lunged for the tiara. Crab's curse missed him but hit the stone bust which flew up into the air. The diadem soared upward and then dropped out of sight in the mass of objects on which the bust had rested. Stop! Malfoy shouted at Crab, his voice echoing through the enormous room. The Dark Lord wants him alive! So? I'm not killing him, am I? yelled Crab, throwing off Malfoy's restraining arm. But if I can, I will. The Dark Lord wants him dead anyway. What's the diff- A shot of scarlet jetted past Harry by inches. Hermione had run around the corner behind him and set a stunning spell straight at Crab's head. It only missed because Malfoy pulled him out of the way. It's that mudblood. Avada Kedavra. Harry saw Hermione dive aside, and his fury that Crab had aimed to kill wiped all else from the mind. He shot a stunning spell at Crab, who lurched out of the way, knocking Malfoy's wand out of his hand. It rolled out of sight beneath a mountain of broken furniture and boxes. Don't kill him! Don't kill him! Malfoy yelled at Crab and Goyle, who were both aiming at Harry. Their split-seconds hesitation was all Harry needed. Expelliarmus! Goyle's wand flew out of his hand and disappeared into the bulwark of objects beside him. Goyle leapt foolishly on the spot, trying to retrieve it. Malfoy jumped out of range as Hermione's second stunning spell jetted through, and Ron, appearing suddenly at the end of the aisle, shot a full body bind curse at Crab, which narrowly missed. Crab wheeled around and screamed, Avada Kedavra! Again. Ron leapt out of sight to avoid a jet of green light. The wandless Malfoy cowered between the three legged wardrobe as Hermione charged toward them hitting Goyle with a stunning spell as she came. "'It's somewhere here!' Harry yelled at her, pointing at the pile of junk into which the old tiara had fallen. "'Look for it while I go and help Ron—' "'Harry!' she screamed. A roaring, billowing noise behind him gave him a moment's warning. He turned and saw both Ron and Crab running as hard as they could up the aisle toward them. "'You like it, hot scum?' roared Crab as he ran." but he seemed to have no control over what he had done. Flames of abnormal size were pursuing them, licking up the sides of junk bulwarks which were crumbling to soot at their touch. Aguamenti! Harry bawled, but the jet of water that soared from the tip of his wand evaporated in the air. Run! Malfoy grabbed the stunned Goyle and dragged him along. Crab outstripped all of them, now looking terrified. Harry, Ron, and Hermione pelted along in his wake, and the fire pursued them. It was not normal fire. Crab had used a curse of which Harry had no knowledge. 
As they turned a corner, the flames chased them as though they were alive, sentient, intent upon killing them. Now the fire was mutating, forming a giant pack of fiery beasts. Flaming serpents, chimeras, and dragons rose and fell and rose again. The detritus of centuries on which they were feeding was thrown up into the air into their fanged mouths, tossed high on clawed feet before being consumed by the inferno. Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle had vanished from view. Harry, Ron, and Hermione stopped dead. The fiery monsters were circling them, drawing closer and closer. Claws and horns and tails lashed, and the heat was solid as a wall around them. What can we do? Hermione screamed over the deafening roars of the fire. What can we do? Here. Harry seized a pair of heavy-looking broomsticks from the nearest pile of junk and threw one to Ron, who pulled Hermione onto it behind him. Harry swung his leg over the second broom, and with hard kicks to the ground, they soared into the air, missing by inches the horned beak of a flaming raptor that snapped its jaws at them. The smoke and heat were becoming overwhelming. Below them, the cursed fire was consuming the contraband of generations of hunted students, the guilty outcomes of a thousand banned experiments, the secrets of the countless souls who sought refuge in the room. Harry could not see a trace of Malfoy, Crab, or Goyle anywhere. He swooped down as low as he dared over the marauding monsters of flame to try and find them, but there was nothing but fire. What a terrible way to die. He had not wanted this. Hey, Let's get out! Let's get out! bellowed Ron, though it was impossible to see where the door was through the black smoke. And then, Harry heard a thin, piteous human scream from amidst the terrible commotion. The thunder of devouring flame. It's too dangerous! Ron yelled, but Harry wheeled in the air. His glasses giving his eyes some small protection from the smoke, he raked the firestorm below, seeking a sign of life, a limb or a face that was not yet charred like wood. And he saw them. Malfoy with his arms around the unconscious Goyle, the pair of them perched on a fragile tower of charred desks, and Harry dived. Malfoy saw him coming and raised one arm, but even as Harry grasped it, he knew it was no good. Goyle was too heavy, and Malfoy's hand, covered in sweat, slid instantly out of Harry's. "'If we die for them, I'll kill you, Harry!' roared Ron's voice, and as a great flaming chimera bore down upon them, he and Hermione dragged Goyle onto their broom and rose, rolling and pitching into the air once more, as Malfoy clambered up behind Harry. "'The door! Get to the door! The door!' screamed Malfoy in Harry's ear, and Harry sped up, following Ron, Hermione, and Goyle through the billowing black smoke, hardly unable to breathe. And all around them, the last few objects, unburned by the devouring flames, were flung into the air, as the creatures of cursed fire cast them high in celebration. Cups and shields, a sparkling necklace, and an old, discolored tiara. "'What are you doing? What are you doing? The door is that way!' screamed Malfoy, but Harry made a hairpin swerve and dived. The diadem seemed to fall in slow motion, turning and glittering as it dropped toward the maw of a yawning serpent. And then he had it. 
caught it around his wrist. Harry swerved again as the serpent lunged at him. He soared upward and straight toward the spot where, he prayed, the door stood open. Ron, Hermione, and Goyle had vanished. Malfoy was screaming and holding Harry so tightly it hurt. Then, through the smoke, Harry saw a rectangular patch on the wall and steered the broom at it, and moments later, clean air filled his lungs, and they collided with the wall in the corridor beyond. Malfoy fell off the broom and lay face down, gasping, coughing, and retching. Harry rolled over and sat up. The door to the room of requirement had vanished, and Ron and Hermione sat panting on the floor beside Goyle, who was still unconscious. Crab, <coughs> choked Malfoy as soon as he was able to speak. Crab. <coughs> He's dead, said Ron harshly. There was a silence, apart from their panting and coughing. Then a number of huge bangs shook the castle, and a great cavalcade of transparent figures galloped past on horses, their heads screaming with bloodlust under their arms. Harry staggered to his feet when the headless hunt had passed and looked around. The battle was still going on all around him. He could hear more screams than those of the retreating ghosts. Panic flared up inside him. "'Where's Ginny?' he said sharply. "'She was here. She was supposed to be going back into the Room of Requirement.' "'Blimey. Do you reckon it'll still work after that fire?' asked Ron, but he got to his feet, rubbing his chest and looked left and right. "'Shall we split up and look?' "'No.' said Hermione, getting to her feet, too. Malfoy and Goyle remained slumped hopelessly on the floor. Neither of them had wands. Let's stick together. I say that we go... Harry, what's that on your arm? What? Oh. Yeah. He pulled the diadem from his wrist and held it up. It was still hot, blackened with soot, but as he looked at it closely, he was just able to make out the tiny words etched upon it. Wit beyond measure is man's greatest treasure. A blood-like substance, black and tarry, seemed to be leaking from the diadem. Suddenly, Harry felt the thing vibrate violently, then break apart in his hands, and as it did so, he thought he heard the faintest, most distant scream of pain, echoing not from the grounds or the castle, but from the thing that had just fragmented in his fingers. It must have been fiendfire, whimpered Hermione, her eyes on the broken pieces. Sorry? Fiendfire? Cursed fire. It's one of the substances that destroy Horcruxes, but I would never, ever have dared use it. It's so dangerous. How did Crab know how to... Must have learned it from the Carrows, said Harry grimly. Shame that it wasn't concentrating when they mentioned how to stop it, really, said Ron, whose hair, unlike Hermione's, was singed, and whose face was blackened. If he hadn't tried to kill us all, I'd be quite sorry that he was dead. But, but don't you realise? Whispered Hermione. This means, if we can just get the snake. 
but she broke off as yells and shouts and the unmistakable noises of dueling filled the corridor. Harry looked around and his heart seemed to fail. Death Eaters had penetrated Hogwarts. Fred and Percy had just backed into view, both of them dueling, masked, and hooded men. Harry, Ron, and Hermione ran forward to help. Jets of light flew in every direction, and the man dueling Percy backed off fast. Then his hood slipped, and they saw a high forehead and streaked hair. "'Hello, minister!' bellowed Percy, sending a neat jinx straight at Thickness, who dropped his wand and clawed at the front of his robes, apparently in awful discomfort. "'Did I mention that I'm resigning?' "'You're joking, Perse!' shouted Fred as the Death Eater he was battling collapsed under the weight of three separate stunning spells. Thickness had fallen to the ground with tiny spikes erupting all over him. He seemed to be turning into some sort of sea urchin. Fred looked at Percy with glee. You actually are joking, Perse. I don't think I've heard you joke since you were... The air exploded. They had been grouped together. Harry, Ron, Hermione, Fred, and Percy, the two Death Eaters at their feet, one stunned, the other transfigured. And in that fragment of a moment, when danger seemed temporarily at bay, the world was rent apart. Harry felt himself flying through the air. All he could do was to hold as tightly as possible to that thin stick of wood that was his one and only weapon, and shield his head with his arms. He heard the screams and yells of his companions without a hope of knowing what had happened to them. And then the world resolved itself into pain and semi-darkness. He was half buried in the wreckage of a corridor that had just been subjected to a terrible attack. Cold air told him that the side of the castle had been blown away, and hot stickiness on his cheek told him he was bleeding copiously. Then he heard a terrible cry that pulled at his insides, that expressed agony of a kind neither flame nor curse could cause, and he stood up, swaying, more frightened than he had been on that day, more frightened perhaps than he had ever been in his entire life. and Hermione was struggling to her feet in the wreckage, and three red-headed men groped on the ground where the wall had been blasted apart. Harry grabbed Hermione's hand as they staggered and stumbled over stone and wood. No! No, no, no! Someone was shouting. No! Fred! No! And Percy was shaking his brother and Ron was kneeling beside them, and Fred's eyes stared without seeing. The ghost of his last laugh still etched upon his face.
And that is the end of our reading for today. For anyone who has joined us late, my name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories. And this is one of the toughest endings I think we've had in any single week of this. When I was prepping this part, I even went back and checked my math to see if I shouldn't reorganize it and, you know, change up the, do, do one, one chapter one week so that we could do this one and then a second one, but it, it wasn't going to work. Um, it's real, right? This is... It got real with Dumbledore, of course. There was that. But Dumbledore was... Dumbledore was a leader. Dumbledore was one who went forward knowing he had death somewhere before him. Maybe he could avoid it, but it was standing there in front of him somewhere. And... This, I think, is a great sort of illustrator of the fact that this is what it was like years and years ago. This is what it was like back when the Order of the Phoenix was young. Back when, you know, in, in, in 20 years, Dumbledore's army is going to be something. There are going to be people who still call themselves members of Dumbledore's army. If we rewind, we get to here, where Dumbledore's army is just a young group of kids. If we take the Order of the Phoenix and rewind, we find something very similar. A, a young group of people. Uh, because remember, in the movies, although they have been casted, and I, I am thankful for the casting, um, for people like um, Alan Rickman to be able to be a part of it, but they were casted older than they actually were. Um, Harry's parents, when they died, were younger than I am now. By a, a few years. Not just slightly, but... Um, I think more than five years younger than I am now. Um, and I think this sort of shed some light on why someone like Molly Weasley wouldn't have wanted someone like Ginny running around. It's not because she doesn't trust Ginny. It's not because she doesn't believe in Ginny's abilities. It's because you can only experience loss, honestly, not very many times, right? You can't you can't do loss very many times before you sort of decide within yourself somewhere you don't want to do that again. But this is where we're at. This is a time when the the conflict has spread further than just the people who are fighting. We get little bits of that, right? But it's so tough because they're not people we've been close to before. We have seen, of course, uh, people like Charity, mm, Charity Burbage, I want to say, um, was the, the teacher at Hogwarts, the Muggle Studies teacher. I believe it was Charity Burbage. Um, but, you know, the, the, the Hogwarts Muggle Studies teacher who was killed. This was, uh, yeah, and I, I should remind everyone, I'm going to finish this thought, but um, 
then I will do so. Thank you, James. Um, the the people who consider themselves to be on the front lines, like Kingsley, you know, uh, Aurors, who 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 show up every day knowing that, you know, fighting dark wizards, fighting against the dark arts, death might be in my card somewhere today. Death is standing in front of me somewhere. I may meet death or I may avoid death, but death is standing in front of me. Not like Charity Burbage. And that was when it kind of made it clear to me that, you know, there are, this conflict has gotten too big at this point. And now it's somebody that we know really personally. I think, yeah, Lisa Hall Dobby, I think is one of the the main ones, right? That was one of the very first where it's like, Dobby, Dobby just by, by association of loyalty to Harry, like maybe we could have seen it, but we did not, we never, we never anticipated death standing in Dobby's path. Um, but yes, I want, uh, I want to remind everyone now, um, avoiding spoilers, spoilers is going to be very, very important. Um, as we, as we come up in the following weeks, um, I've only got the one button. Uh, so I had to, uh, I had to use timeout, but that was the only way that I could quickly without like fully pausing the chapter, go back and, and take care of that. So Ninja, I'm sorry for doing a full timeout about it, but, um, that was the only way for me to clear the message very quickly. So other people didn't see it. Um, but yeah, everyone, please do be very careful about spoilers. Um, we are going to have to be very cautious about that as we proceed, um, because there's some pretty like pretty uh wild stuff happening um this is this is the culmination of a story that like i said i have been participating in in this way for three years now Uh, and i want people to be able to understand that and experience it at their own pace lumos everybody um yeah hogwarts he says the losses have been great um, and I feel like there will be more. Well, we certainly have not reached the end of this battle. Um, and Voldemort continues to make this demand, right? Um, there is this demand that uh, they turn over Harry Potter. Uh, I'm going to try and be careful in general about the um, uh, about asking like chatterbreak questions that would that would prompt spoilers. Uh, but yeah, everyone just just uh, we're going to do our parts to be careful. And uh, if accidents happen, we'll try to we'll try to leave our mods to uh, take care of that. Everyone, I want to thank you all very, very much for being with me here today. Um, and. Uh, oh, boy, Nasty Hudson, I'd forgotten that that already happened in my head. That was that was something that happened later. And I was like, I just I was just talking about spoilers and you do one right now. But no. Nasty Hudson is right. That came after, or that that came before. We've already read that. Um, everyone, oh baby, yeah, I do have to hydrate. I'm gonna get a quick stretch in. You're good, Nasty Hudson. I got confused. You all good? That was a good read. It was a long one. You could kind of. <laughs> I was able to do okay, sort of keeping my keeping my hand on the wheel, as it were. But eh, look, maybe I got a maybe I got a couple of tires trying to slip off, as it were. It's the old, it's the old sidecar. We know how it goes. Samuel says that was a hard ending. I've got some stuff to do, so I'm gonna have to say goodnight, everyone. Samuel, it was a hard ending. Um, I hope you will join us again next week uh, and in the following weeks, uh, everyone. I think we are going to be finishing this on the 17th once again. Oh, sorry, not next week. Not next week. Oh, for anyone leaving, no stream next week. <laughs> I'll put it in the Discord, of course, as well. Um, uh, and make sure that folks are aware of this. But yes, no stream next week. Next week will not be a stream. 
I'm going to be out of town. So nothing on Wednesday or Thursday next week. Uh, I plan to continue with, uh, I'm going to do Tuesday as usual. Uh, as a matter of fact, let me give you all a quick rundown of my current schedule. So not next week, of course, like I said, no Wednesday, no Thursday next week. But usually my schedule is on Tuesdays. We have Vintage Sidecar. Uh, followed by Harry Potter Minecraft. Vintage Sidecar is uh, where we shed some light on classic lit, and right now we are going through a Christmas Carol. We had a great kickoff for that one. Uh, my current pattern for that one is I am going to be... Uh uh, I'm going to be reading uh, the chapter, and then we're going to be discussing it. But hey, if you want to just show up at the beginning just for the chapter, um, I'm also going to be releasing those on YouTube cut up into two parts. And I'm going to create a playlist that includes the discussion and a playlist with no discussion. So if you want, come Christmas, because I do plan to be done right before Christmas, uh, if you want to go ahead and... Uh, you know, go through that playlist, you can get just a full solid read through of A Christmas Carol. Um, and I want to clarify something with The Christmas Carol. Um, I think it has a lot of, it, it certainly has a lot of literary value. Um, but uh, I certainly am not reading it in sort of exclusion or defiance of any other traditions. Um, this is just a, a, something that worked well with the timing on my end. Um, and uh, I think the, the message the message aspires to something greater than uh, simple tradition, um, and so I I I will defend its validity, uh, the, the the validity of the book itself. Um, everyone, thank you very very much um, for being with me here today. Uh, so on Tuesdays you can join us for Vintage Sidecar. Um, you we've already done uh, one chapter of that one. We've got uh, four more left, but the middle chapter is really long, so I'm going to break it into two. So you can expect five weeks of that. Um, <laughs> Shotzi, I'm really glad you're enjoying it. I'm having a ton of fun, and I'm using my voice changer in it, so uh, you've got some pretty... You Look, I'm, I'm testing some things out. I'm going a little experimental, and I'm enjoying it an awful lot. Um, everyone, thank you a ton for being with me here today. On Wednesdays, we play Dungeon World, um, which is a campaign that you can jump into if you're curious about that one. Um, let me go ahead and give you all some links here. I don't have one for Christmas Carol yet. I'll be putting that one in soon. But um, if you want to know what we did before... You can get Frankenstein, uh, you can go Gatsby, uh, there's, I'm just spitting out YouTube playlist links at you, um, uh, and then we play, um, let's see, uh, on Tuesdays after that we play, uh, some Harry Potter Minecraft, it's a pretty cool mod, um, on Wednesdays, we've got our campaign, and then, of course, on Thursdays, we do Flying Sidecar, which is where you're at right now. This is what we're doing. Voice Actors Venture, through some stories we all love. Um, after this, we're going to be heading on after um, probably a couple of weeks of sort of non-reading. Uh, I would anticipate we're going to do a bunch of discussion. Uh, after that, we're going to be moving on to Percy Jackson. So, everyone, thank you very, very much. I know I know, I've said it a couple of times, but like, I, being as I am so close to my third anniversary of doing this, like three years of my life, think about where you were in uh, at the end of 2018. What were you doing? Um, because I was just like making plans to start this. I'm gonna sneeze, I know I am. Sorry, uh, I think I meant, let's see, 20, right, 2018? Do I have that number right? Something feels weird. Uh, let's see, all of 2019, all of 2020. No, it was all of 2018. So end of 2017. Where were you at at the end of 2017? What were you up to? Um, Mirrored in the plan is the whole series. That's the plan. Yeah, Louise. Okay, thank you. Um, 
yeah, what were you doing at the end of 2017? Because I was making plans for this. And at the start of, at the very beginning of 2018, January, January 2018, that's when I started this adventure. And uh, everyone, I'm really thankful for you joining me. I think about it a lot now. <laughs> it does feel like a long time ago, right, Tanisha? And so many of y'all have joined along the way. But like, I would say, you know, at the at the beginning for like a good year, it was um, like 17 people over on YouTube. Uh, and now I've just hit 5,000 people on YouTube. Uh, time really is flying, huh? Um, the next chapter is going to be the week after next. So, uh, let me, let me go ahead and clarify for y'all. And I, of course, I'll be putting this in the discord. Absolutely. Um, and, uh, Ninja, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, yeah, we're just gonna be careful about the spoilers, but don't worry about it. It's all good. I think, I think the, uh, like, it's not surprising that folks who have experienced this before, like, yeah, the, we, we know a lot of things about it. I, I know some of the things coming up. Um, so it can be tough to discuss it, but not discuss, like, the things that you don't realize other people won't know about. So I appreciate it, Golden Ninja. Thank you. Um, now, let's see. Uh, to Drift Yellow's question. Uh, so not the 26th, but December 3rd is going to be our next chapter. So our next stream for this is going to be December 3rd. Um, we'll be back at the beginning of December, and we've got the 3rd, the 10th, and the 17th. That's it. Okay, now. Um, Rowlett says, I'm so sad I only found, about about, found out about this recently. Yeah, well, it's been a long and bumpy ride, so I appreciate everyone who's had the patience to try and follow along with it. Now, we've, we've talked about it. I think it's time for me to go fetch being queen. Everyone, I'll be right back. I made a uh, bolognese last night, which is a, it's a long process. I actually got started with it on Tuesday night. It turned out pretty good. And the Bean Queen is out munching on that, which gives me some opportunity to see what have I been missing over on Instagram and Twitter, because I took a look at Twitter, or excuse me, at Instagram. And, um, well, <laughs> it turns out, uh, there were some things that had popped in there that I had not spotted prior. So, um, let's take a look at this. Let's take a look at this hashtag and search. How's the spaghetti? It's not spaghetti. We used uh, spaghetti. How dare you? We, we used um, uh, lasagna pasta and uh, that with bolognese. It's pretty good stuff. It's a pretty good. Bolognese is better with homemade pasta, but we don't have the energy for that. <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, we've got some. We got some folks who have put stuff in here. So uh, I want to say thank you very much to uh, at at. A at at Alyssa <laughs> at 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 Alyssa. <laughs> um, thank you very much, Alyssa. Um, uh, let's see. So on the on November seventeenth, what's everyone's doing this on a Tuesday? That's kind of funky. Um, uh, anyway, um, I think we got Ash last week, but we've got uh, <laughs> Lisa Hall, uh, Alyssa. And then uh, Ashmore, we got another one in, so never you fear. So that's three from just Twitter. Let me go take a look at Instagram as well. Um, folks, what is this? Well, this is called Bad Beans. And <laughs> Ashmore, Escar, love it. Uh, folks, thank you a ton. Uh, you are helping me to, to brew up this big bean cauldron. And meanwhile, I am going to go ahead and 
Uh, <laughs> I'm good. There's a. <laughs> I'm so sorry. There's like an article on the Pope down here. <laughs> Something about Instagram. I'm not going to read it right now. It just looks goofy. Um, okay. So, um, great. I switched my accounts. Awesome. Hold on. Hold on. We're good. We got this. <laughs> I, I do all this stuff on the... Hello? Did you not have a break today? Um, I did have a break. I was busy. All right. Let me see. Is it going to let me? There we go. More time to eat. More time to eat. Yep. Oh, boy. Tuna says I'm always lurking. Emily Rose. Hello. <laughs> Rowlett says that's how I found out about it, too. I was listening to uh, Harry Potter at work, and it took me a while to figure out how to become a part of it once I found it. Okay. So, I mean, that's helpful feedback, honestly. It's kind of going to help me figure out, like, hey, do people understand, like, how to get in and jump in on this stuff? So, uh, everyone... I love y'all. Let's make this happen. So we've got, it looks like four from, from Instagram. Um, so seven extra beans? I think it might be. Dang. Well, it doesn't, okay, hold on. These aren't all three from Instagram. So six beans. Okay, everyone, thank you so very much. This is Bad Beans. Sam, myself, uh, is going to try and uh, guess some very bad beans from Birdie Bot's Every Flavor Beans. Now, most of them are pretty decent, but some of them are hellaciously spicy. Uh, and as such, can you just put it on the bed for a sec? Um, uh, as such, uh, it is a bit of a challenge, but if you want to add beans onto the pile, you can do so by going to either Instagram or Twitter, those are the ones that I track, uh, and sharing. It's best if you use the hashtag HPOutloud and also my handle, Sidecar Stories. That way, I know you'll get the thing. So, everyone, uh, everyone who has shared. You know um, he'll get the thing. Indeed. Including, including uh, Shan Roy, um, who I think this is the very first person who's Instagram or Twitter verified that's ever, <laughs> that's ever promoted the show. So, uh, thank you for uh, sharing me on your shorts. On your, on your <laughs> story, shorts. Shan. Thanks for putting me on your shorts. Uh, and I actually don't know how your name would be divided up necessarily, but Shayan Roy, thank you very much. Um, uh, let's see. Now, everyone, everyone, it's time. We're going to do some very bad beans. He does the overflow honors sometimes. Yes, he, he does indeed, Rowlett. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, Ashmore and Escar Lovett seem to be dueling back and forth. Uh, Holly Rose, thank you so much. Um, oh, let's see. We've got a, we've got a, a message for me. Um, hold on. Protection Charm cast, Casted. Check on the Deathly Hallows chapter. Oh, I agreed to do an extra bean for Hype Train 5, and then you said that another chapter might be a thought at... <laughs> um, I mean, I know we're definitely not doing another chapter. Um, like, I, I know we're definitely not going to be able to, like, mess with the timeline here. I've got it pretty well metered out for the rest of the series. Um, uh, as, far as, as far as the extra bean, yeah, I would do an extra bean for Hype Train level 5. If we reach it, we don't even need to complete it. If, if we get there, heck with it. Well, last week you did. Fast and loose. Last week, the promise wasn't real. Ashmore, what? thank you very much. I appreciate it. Okay, now, let's do this thing. Folks, I've got some bad beans in front of me. Um, let's see. So, first of all, we've got at, at, at Alyssa. Um, we've also got Ashmore and Lisa uh, over on Twitter. So, if any of y'all would like to, uh, we'll just do first come, first serve. Um and then over on Instagram, we've got Out of Yarn, of course, uh, Book and Hook, um, A Squared, 
Thank you very much for sharing about the show. I think that's a new one, so thank you. Um, and uh, Cheyenne Roy, thank you very much. Any one of y'all can jump in, and uh, if any of y'all are are that, and we need your if if your if your Instagram name is different from what you go by here on Twitch, let me know. Um, now, uh, let's see. I mean, I've already done my my schedule for the week. Hmm. Oh yeah yeah yeah. To be able to see where are we at? Oh, and I got a ping too. Hold on. I need to see the ping. Oh, that was a baby. It was a baby. It was it was art of a baby. Um that was over uh that was done by um uh Holly Rose. Oh, like Holly Rose did that and then sent it over. Yeah. It's little it's a little uh baby baby lupin. It's a little lupin baby. I can't look at chat, so it's you're gonna be the one that has oh. to spot it. Um You gotta be the eagle eyes. Nobody's Good night, Marianne. Have a good one. We'll see you later. Yeah, I think you might well be the only one with a frozen screen. I'm not seeing any other notifications about it. Sorry. Um, alternatively, I don't know if you can hear me, but uh, if anyone ever has troubles on Twitch, um, your best options are start with... Oh, your screen froze. Hold on. Not frozen on my end? Well, okay, So, but we have had multiple people. That's weird. Um, my best advice for anyone who's having trouble with Twitch is start by reloading the page. Sometimes that can fix it. Uh, and then if that doesn't, then you can go over to uh, Discord and that should help out. Um, but yeah, I'm not sure what's going down. It's back now? Okay, good. All right. Oh, don't look. Hashmore put one in. Did you see it? Nope. Okay, don't look. Okay, okay. I need my... Oh, shoot, I didn't take it out. <laughs> so here's what we shall do. Da, 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 da. Improvise, adapt, overcome. Um, so instead, we need something else to talk about because I already went through my weekly schedule. Um, uh, let me say this: A Christmas Carol and all of the um, a vintage sidecar has been just a ton of fun. And if y'all are wondering, like, how do I, how do I sort of, well, I, I was going to say I, Sam, or the Royal I, but like. I think both is good. If you all want to know how Sam goes through and processes um, literature and such, you can hear kind of my thoughts on the matter. Um, and I am doing my best to make it very educational to help you all get a sense of like, how can I, the royal eye, how can we get better at um, going through classic lit? Oh, shoot. Hmm. Well. So maybe not that one precisely. <laughs> Did I not open my mouth wide enough? No, I'm just a little off. You were going for a bank shot. There's nothing wrong in that. I'm tired. Trying to get trying to get fancy about it. Tell you what, let me know when it's when it's here. I got it. I got it. Okay. Alright, I'm ready. Let's do it. Even though if I remember correctly, Ashmore has a bit of a pattern. So I'm gonna see if Thank you. I'm gonna see if it, if that holds up. Uh this one says some pretty vanilla y. Hold on. Vanilla, okay. Definitely some vanilla, but I'm also getting some light fruit flavors, maybe. I'm getting kind of a lemon cake sort of vibe. Could it be a lemon cake, perhaps? 
Oh, but it also could be donut. That's the thing. That's the thing about these vanilla ones. Um, I'm going to say... Is it a lemon cake or is it a donut? Um, I think it's a lemon. It's a lemon poppy seed donut, which it probably isn't because I'm not sure that exists, but it should, right? That would be delicious. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with... I don't think it's lemony enough. I think they would probably kick up the lemon because that's a pretty easy flavor to accomplish. I'm going to go with... Blueberry cake donut. Yeah. I think you're right. Yes. Except the full title is Krispy Kreme glazed blueberry cake. It doesn't matter. It's mine, and I've won it. I've won it fair and square. I'm sort of the Robin Hood of bad beans, fighting against the tyrant bean queen. Any thoughts on what I will read post Percy Jackson? Uh, or, what, oh, sorry, what I will do post read for Percy Jackson? That's a good question. Yeah, should it be more beans or should we have a different tradition for a different series? I feel like we got a lot of beans. Okay, we do have a, quite a few beans here. <laughs> Not, we definitely have more than three streams worth of beans here. So we'll Everyone probably do that. Yep, so none next week and then the 3rd, the 10th, and the 17th. Oh my goodness. Yep. It's crazy. Are you going to take a couple, couple weeks off? Uh, I'm going to take a couple of weeks probably off of reading, but I might want to use that for other stuff because, of course, we have got the watch through that I read, like the oh, the, the watch together. I think that would be a good thing to do. And then I definitely want to take at least one stream and just talk about it. It's my winter break, so after the 17th. Nice. We're gonna do a watch party. Excellent. Obviously, like I said, the 24th, it would be the one after the 17th. I'm not going to be streaming on, on Christmas Eve. Um, but after that, I think, like, watch party stuff. Oh, I only get the 24th. And Okay. Um, I gotcha. Well, we'll see. We'll see what we can make out of it. But, um, okay. Everyone, thank you a ton. Ashmore, uh, thank you so much. And uh, everyone who's been... Yeah, and yes, indeed, Moodswing. <laughs> Fantastic. We'll have to, uh, our last name will be the day after Moodswing's birthday. Oh, I'll definitely have to, uh, we'll, we'll have to do some singing for that, won't we? Um, are we going to go back and watch the Deathly Hallows? back to back or one at a time probably one at a time because i think it's probably a lot to ask people to like do the whole thing at once and by the way if if um if twitch watch parties are um prime members only we're not doing it through twitch i will i will do it on twitch but it'll probably just be me sitting here and we'll all watch the movie together <laughs> um so that we can all be here and chat and such or we'll just do it on the discord or something uh like last time but if that's if that's Prime members only, we're not doing it. I don't like pushing people into that stuff. Um, okay, uh, let's see. Who's up next? Uh, Ashmore, thank you very much. Okay, let's let's throw down some Instagram ones. Um, remember, Book and Hook, if you are here, you can go ahead and let us know what you want. But uh, let's make this one for uh, Cheyenne Roy. Ooh, okay. I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, by the way. Uh, and also, I hope I'm not like a big goose um, who... <laughs> Who has, uh, who has like, they, like, like they got a new motorcycle or something and they just used the, uh, they, they put me on accident in their, <laughs> in their story. Yeah. They're, they're typically in the story. Well, we're going to get a bean anyway. Yeah. We're getting a bean. What the heck? Here. Cheyenne Roy. This one's for you. Um, I think just at, at random. A verified bean. What does that mean? Let's use this. I'll figure it out. No, not a sock. No, I don't think a sock. If I if I were concerned about things being cat furry, 
we would have had to we would have had to address our sort of pet situation long ago. All right, team, talk to me about a verified bean. <laughs> it probably has to be blue, right? Even a bean would be verified. For the blue check mark. Uh, meanwhile, if any of the rest of y'all, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on for Lisa Halls because I, even though I don't think anyone particularly malicious, if I remember correctly, has got a bean in this week, I'm still gonna hold on to that Lisa Hall bean just in case. I think just throwing in at random. This is special. It's been a long stream. <laughs> they got a motorcycle. Uh, maybe they got a motorcycle, or maybe they really are here for sidecar stories. Either way, Cheyenne Roy, <laughs> thanks. Um, ah, fantastic. Okay, Cheyenne Roy, this one's for you. Hmm. When Twitter when Twitter verifies your beans. <laughs> um. Uh, would some here? Let me. Let's see. I gotta put in a quick invite. Um, my whole my whole rig is going a little slow today. I'm not sure what's going on here. Marianne, hopefully that will help out. Okay, this one. Oh, this is like. You know how when you're a kid, and you smell that, um, like the special soap or whatever or the lotion that your your relative uses it's probably your grandma or somebody and it smells delicious it smells it? fruity and delicious this is what you hope it would taste like even though it doesn't it doesn't don't eat that lotion don't eat the lotion don't eat the lotion um it's fruity it's like strawberry some there's a ton, there's just a lot of fruits going on here um i'm going to go with I'm not getting any like banana or anything. I'm just gonna, I think it's a single fruit, but it doesn't seem like it's gonna be strawberry. Is it tart enough? Heck with it. I'm going, oh, what is that? What is that? A little vanilla? I gotta go raspberry. You taste vanilla in everything. I do, I think it's the coating. I think it's the coating. Raspberry, final answer. Is pineapple. Pineapple? It didn't taste very tart, but well, I'm with it. Well, it's either pineapple or lemon, so. It definitely was. I don't think it was lemon. Yeah, you were but not describing lemon. No. I think uh, I could I could maybe find some pineapple flavor in there if I use my imagination. Um, uh, Dahlia, thank you very, very much. I appreciate it a ton. Um, yeah, everyone who has been so generous this stream, thank you a lot. Uh, it's going to... Uh, Y'all are probably going to help me buy Christmas presents, frankly. So, <laughs> so thank you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Um, and get this eternal phone situation sorted out because believe it or not... The second phone I got didn't work, so it has now been about eight weeks that I have not had a phone. Uh, this one is for, let's do A Squared over on Instagram. A Squared, thank you very much for sharing about the show. I appreciate it. Um, and folks, I don't do any like advertising for this, so uh, if we want new friends, I would advise you to tell your friends about this. Um, tell folks who like stories, tell folks who just need something quiet to sort of fall asleep to, uh, on a Thursday night, uh, tell folks who just really love Harry Potter or frankly now start telling folks who really like Percy Jackson. Okay. This is a spicy bean. It's already pretty bad. PSA from Sam. Yeah. This is your, this is your God brother, Sam telling you don't eat the lotion. Um, mm. Yeah, Nasty Hudson. Okay, yeah, it cleared it out, but uh, A squared, I believe, is Nasty Hudson. Oh. 
That's right, a protection trap. So instead, this one's going to be for, uh, I think we'll call this one for Book and Hook. Um, because yes, <laughs> you're so sorry. Uh, uh, because yeah, you, you were intentional about that one. So instead, uh, Book and Hook, this one's for you. Nasty Hudson will come to you next. I forgot you mentioned it in your post. Um, okay, let me see. No? No, it's spicy. They're usually pretty nice, aren't they? Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe we'll make this one for Alyssa. <laughs> not, saying, not saying people who choose spicy beans are mean because y'all are my I'll say favorite, it. but. Oh. Ooh, that smells. It's really pretty bad. It smells like a spicy bell pepper. That's a spicy <laughs> bell pepper. Book says no. I wanted my bean to reflect the hot weather here. Okay, in that case, this one's for you because oh, this is this is a hot one, Book and Hook. Um, Where is Book I, and Hook? I don't think it's the hottest of the hot. Oh, by the way, Escar, love it. Thank you a ton. I see that while I had my blindfold on, uh, you went ahead and boiled the bean pot. So thank you very much. Thank you Where for you? brewing this wonderful potion Where of terrible beans. Hook? What? Where are they at? Yeah, Book and Hook, where are you? Where is, where, where is it? You use Celsius. Oh, uh, Australia. I believe. Uh, Am I right, Book no and Hook? To go there. I think I remember you introducing yourself as an Australian the very first time you showed up for a stream. I guess I'd be down for the Great Barrier, but that's about all I want from Australia. Not interested in your bugs. Not interested in your weather. Ooh. Not interested in your mean kangaroos. <laughs> Sydney, I am much more interested. I think I think Australia is pretty dope. Um, I would love to head down there. Um, Too hot. Especially Sydney. Um, and uh, I think think i have a great memory oh book and hook oh but i don't though <laughs> there are things that are are back there and i have no idea why and i guess that's one of them but yeah book and hook i remember you mentioning you're from uh, australia and i, I want to say you came in with a relative at some point i want to say you had a sister who hung out for a while <coughs> but i could be wrong about that i might be conflating you with um molly wobbles anyway um yeah, Molly Wobbles and Molly Wobbles Jr. are both followers That's of mine. <laughs> um, okay, that was a pretty dang spicy one. I think, I I think, I don't think it was the one that really knocked me on my rear before. So I'm going to go with Cayenne because it's up there. Final answer. It's Habanero. Habanero? Cayenne is in the middle. Gotcha. I do. I feel like I've had habaneros before, but I, I maybe not. Thank you for refilling the pot, everyone. Refilling the cauldron. Uh, thank you for helping me brew this wonderful potion. This is the potion we call this. This is this can be called Sam's streaming ability potion. <laughs> every every bit that goes in here uh, helps me to stream more and do more with the channel. So thank you all a ton. Um, I have kangaroo poop on my lawn. <laughs> I saw I saw a video of a kangaroo recently. They're kind of freaky. Yeah, they look, mean. they're like, well, they're, they're mean. They're fun to like watch from a distance, but up close, there was one that was in sort of a stable sort of thing. And it's, it kind of looks like an alien messed with some deer. Why do they have their kangaroo in a stable? That seems unwise. It might've been in like a wildlife center or something, but they're trying to get them to go outside and like, they just got these big eyes that are like, I don't know. It was freaky to look at. I didn't, I didn't like looking at that kangaroo Imagine nearly as much as any kangaroo in the past. I don't care to do that. I care. I will imagine different things that I enjoy more, and not freaky things. Um, okay. <laughs> Ashmore, thank you. Um, okay, uh, and Ashmore, thank you for the bean. Um, 
which means thank you for thank you for talking up the show. Uh, thank you for talking up the show. Uh, all you other folks as well. Uh, Lisa, you know what? I think I'm going to go for my Lisa bean right now. My protection oh, Emily charm. Emily Rose, it gets that hot here too. I just have no desire. Yeah, no, 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 no. No, no interest in living down there. Like 110 degree days. I would love to visit Nolens, but other than that, I think I'm going to stay higher north. Sam's Bogart is a kangaroo. <laughs> it just emerges with its like weird little sort of like T-Rex arms. Like somebody who's been lifting way too much, but only working on one set of muscles. Sort of like coming real stiff with their, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> my, my my ranking for kangaroos went down a decent bit. Um, yes, this is going to be my Lisa Bean. Lisa, thank you for this protection charm. This is going to be a good bean, but it is going to be random. So let me see. Listen, everyone. You can see. I, I can see over the top of it. I can, again, I'm I'm not gonna try and cheat here. I think it goes against the spirit of the game. You know me. Um, we have a we have a new roommate, and I think this is my first full stream since she moved in, and she probably thinks I'm just about the craziest person. Wish wish us luck. Okay, let me see. Oh, I was all suspicious. I remember this is a protection bean. I, mar I munch forward with confidence. Munch, 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 munch. Mm, I might be getting more pineapple again. Mm hmm. Again, this is the one. Shoot. And see, this is where book and hook. This, this here is where you'll really get it on display that my memory is not that good. This is why you canceled Friday Boot and Scoot so you don't scare them. <laughs> um, this, hmm, yeah, I am just a busy, a busy lad uh, up through the holiday season. Yeah. Um, shoot, this is the same thing. This is that. This is that. This is the lotion one. <laughs> what was that? What was it? I want to say that one is the pineapple one, right? Or was that? different shoot what was it it was less than 10 minutes ago i can remember months ago when you told me you were from australia and now can't remember what happened 10 minutes ago hmm. was it i can't look at chat um i did see however holly rose thank you very very much for being here uh you're welcome for featuring the art on the channel and thank you for contributing uh uh, I really want to thank all of our artists uh, tonight. We had a, a great feature from Holly Rose, but um, everyone who has has thrown a bit of art my way, whether that's in the form of writing or visual art, thank you a ton. Um, Holly, I hope you have a great week. On this channel. Hmm? We accept art. We, we promote you we, we, we accept it. We promote you. I, I like that because it's like, yeah, we'll let it in the door, I guess. We're going to squint at it the whole time, though. What is this? What is this bean? I can't tell you. I know, but I want you to I really though. Love you, but what I can't was it? You. It. Can you just tell me this? No. Was it the same one as before? I can't tell you. You'll tell me afterwards, right? Sure. Once I commit to one. <sighs> I mean, you'll know when I tell you the name. Um. Um. You don't get to cheat. Dang it! I think it's pineapple, even though I'm probably a big dingus. Am I right? I, I'm, I'm final answer. Final yeah, it's final answer. You're a big dingus. Yeah, what was it? It's watermelon. Watermelon? Yeah. Okay, well, at least it was different. Okay. Whew. Why would I give you the same bean? I don't know. Girl, I don't know. You know 
Okay. Uh, boy, now I'm lost because we're not doing it by the that by the Lisa. day. That was Lisa. Okay, so we've got Lisa. We got Ash. We got uh, Cheyenne Roy, and we got uh, not. We got Arm. We got we Book and Hook. Done, yeah, we haven't done. Okay. Nasty Hudson yet. Okay, Nasty Hudson. This next one's for you. Uh, or I also want a protection charm. So do you want to hold up? Oh. Uh, no, I'm going to be brave. And, yes. <laughs> uh, so, Alyssa, if you are here, um, you can go ahead and let us know. Uh, I would say I'm going to do like a, I'll do a 10 count. So you better get it in quick. Um, uh, but this is nice. at the, the sort of Twitter at and then A-T-A-T Alyssa. Uh, Alyssa, thank you very, very much. Um, super enthused about it, by the way, um, telling us about uh, Christmas Carol. So actually, you know what? This one wasn't even technically for Harry Potter. Heck with it. So... Oh, this is probably not here. What the heck? We're doing it anyway. Let's go. Ah. I forgot about my blindfold. Hold on. Hold on. Ooh, I'm gonna fall. Are you doing other beans? <laughs> don't, don't fall. What do you say? Are you doing other beans? Uh, no. I think we. I think we got a good run of beans today. Ah. All right. Let me see. Munch, munch, munch. You just brave boy that. I did. I will. I launched right into it. I didn't want to. <laughs> um. Let's see. Oh, this one. Mm. Okay, so I'm getting vanilla, of course. Oh, of course. Of course. Of course. Um. <laughs> a vanilla horse. Of course. Oh, we do. See, I was just thinking the same thing, Lisa Hall. Um, we need. Uh, so first of all, Christmas Carol out loud would probably be a good one. Uh, I don't have a PO box. Uh, uh, Demos because or MD MD. I think I remember that's what you wanted to be called. Um. MD, I don't have a P.O. box. I would really like one, but they cost like 50 bucks a month to maintain. Um, which, I mean, unless y'all are sending me bricks of cash, I don't think it's going to be... <laughs> I don't think it's going to be a good sort of uh, effective use of my um, limited funds, shall we say. Um, but I do appreciate it. You just make scrunchies. Love to send it to the Bean Queen. Hey, I would wear a scrunchie even. I don't think I've ever worn a scrunchie. I only use no, little hair ties. Hair. Um, uh, but... You would probably like scrunchies because you like it when your bun is explosive. I like it to look so, like an anime. Um, so you would like scrunchies. Cool. Maybe I'll try some scrunchies. Uh, yeah, Teen Bean. Like I, I should say, there were there were smaller and cheaper ones, but they were enough for like, um, like a like a large TV remote, not very big. The one the ones that w that would I would actually be able to get the things that people have offered to send would be about fifty a month. Anyway. Um, Maybe, maybe I'll put it on Patreon. <laughs> Go to Patreon and, and uh, help me afford this P.O. box so that other folks can send me other stuff. Because <laughs> um, I've had people want to send me stuff before. Um, which is pretty cool. But, um, okay, let me see. Alyssa, thank you so much. Uh, even though that one was mostly for uh, Christmas Carol. So Christmas Carol out loud. Or I think let's just keep it up, right? I think... Yes. Percy Jackson out loud. Um, and I want to say in the future. Oh, yes. Sorry. I was sure of it. I thought I said it. Final answer, Marshmallow. Yeah? Hmm? Ashmore, thank you. There's no. No? No. It's Toasted probably, Marshmallow? It's, a, it's probably French Vanilla. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it was definitely not Toasted Marshmallow. What the? Well, hmm. All right. <laughs> Death Metal Dahlia, I love little trinkets. I like pretending they're I can use them for magic spells and stuff, but uh, unfortunately, 
no dice on the P.O. Box. I'd love to have one. Maybe someday. You know, if we can continue to grow and, you know, I can continue to sort of use the the the, the money that I get from all the subscriptions and such and move them into that, that would be fantastic. Uh, I'm always thinking about ways that I can turn the subscriptions into more stuff for y'all. Um, although I guess a P.O. Box really is more stuff for me in a very literal sense, yes. isn't it? <laughs> but hey, I would love to, I would love to like show off stuff if you make things, etc. Anyway, um, this final one is going to be for Nasty Hudson. Uh, Nasty Hudson, thank you very much. You got any other specifics there, Nasty Hudson? Yeah, you can let us know if you get another specific. Otherwise, I think we're just going to roll on through. Dahlia, I will try if I remember. Um, depending on how long it takes, of course. <laughs> My board shop just says bricks of cash. But yeah, as far as the, uh, as far as the hashtag goes, um, if you share... Uh, with Percy Jackson folks, uh, I think just hashtag Percy Jackson out loud uh, is going to be the best way to do it. Um, or should we do PJ out loud? Percy Jackson? PJ? I think Percy Jackson out loud. I know it's a long one, but it actually says what the thing is. So um, I think we're going to go Percy Jackson out loud and... All right, Nasty Hudson. I'm just picking a protection charm for you then. <laughs> cool. Um and uh, I want to also say that if y'all start doing those early, and you should, I will count those for beans. Now, if you do it, if you do like one for Harry Potter and one for that, that's not two beans. But if that's what's holding you back, if you just want to, you know, promote something new, get people in on the ground floor, even if you're just adding your friends about it, uh, yeah, use the sidecar stories tag, uh, my my actual like user handle, uh, and also the hashtag Percy Jackson out loud. There we go. And I'll, I'll, we can add the beans in. Let's see. Oh. Okay. Uh, a more of a tangy sort of, uh, like a, a more of a tart sweetness. I'm picking up some, I guess kind of like raspberry jam sort of thing. Mmm. It's going to be more, it's going to be more tart than that. And I'm going to be very angry when I get this wrong, but I'm going to go with raspberry. Final answer. It's grape. Grape? Grape Why can't I recognize grapes anymore, folks? I don't know. Clearly it's not grapes. It's a grape, like artificial flavor, but still, still I'm mad at it. Rowlet, thank you so much. Uh, thank you for helping me find some of that art for today. Um, Rowlett was the one who found that big picture of the fiend fire. Uh, I was not able to find a good picture of the fiend fire. Um, so thank you a ton for that. Um, but one for Christmas Carol on the evil Facebook. I appreciate it. Uh, Lisa, um, death metal Dahlia says, I'll have to rewatch this whole episode. I've been stuck at home. Uh, I was stuck at home Depot getting lumber and project supplies, hardly getting, um, hardly caught the second chapter. Um, yeah, listen to it while you're building stuff. And I'm also curious, like what you're recording. I'd be curious to. I don't know if you post that anywhere, but I'd be curious to hear it. Um, I know you were jumping into that. Recording? Yeah, uh, we had a conversation during uh, Minecraft. Apparently, Death Metal Dahlia is classically trained uh, and does sort of vocals to that effect, and also um, metal screaming. <laughs> I was gonna say, with the name Death Metal Dahlia, like I didn't expect opera. Yeah, and I'm 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 sure I'm putting up a misnomer for that. I'm sure it's not called metal screaming, but that's as close to it as I can get. Like I said, as close as I step to it is like pomegranate tiger, polyphia, etc. I do the non-vocal stuff. <laughs> Everyone, I love y'all. Thank you a ton. 
Life keeps happening. Oh, oh, Death Metal Dahlia, do I ever know? Yeah, anyone who's looked at my upload schedule over the past, like, month knows, yeah, life definitely keeps happening. So, everyone, thank you for being with me. Folks, I love y'all. I'm so glad you've been with me over this three-year journey. Um, boy, if I don't, I'm, hmm. Streaming, the sort of streaming brain... Yeah, I love Polyphia. I thought I'd mentioned that last time. I love Polyphia. I've been listening to a ton of Polyphia recently. Um, Dahlia. Um, but, uh, oh, he's such a cute boy. Good Lord. <laughs> um, yeah, love. I love me some Polyphia. There's something about the stream brain. I'm, I'm tracking like three conversations at once. There's something about my, my sort of stream brain that engages, that sort of muffles um, the normal emotion that I feel, but it all hits while I'm prepping for things. Uh, even at the very start of this, I was getting kind of emotional because I could see just the list of how many chapters we had left in this. Um, and so I'm going to be honest with y'all. Like, I'm I, I'm, I'm going to try to be in, as real for this channel as I can be. Um, I'm not going to, like, I'm not going to fake cry about it. I'm going to be emotional, but it's probably going to be off stream. But it is very... It, these three years have been just fascinating and educational and uh heartwarming and encouraging in so many ways that i like i said it's gonna hit off stream because just sort of the stream brain gets me on a different track but i really appreciate all of it thank you so much <laughs> um folks i'm gonna be hanging out uh, a little bit in Discord after this in the Harry Potter channels. Um, I've got some stuff I kind of want to talk about. So, uh, yeah, Tuna Sunday, go check out Polyphia and Death Metal Dahlia. If you're not familiar with Pomegranate Tiger, I would suggest that as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, uh, get at them and everyone. Louise Allen, thank you a ton. <laughs> the, the growth has been incredible. Uh, it's been incredible to feel. And uh, we, I was just talking to... Um, uh, Holly Rose about this. Like, we've got a great group of folks. Yeah, Death Metal Dahlia says, we absolutely adore Sam and his loving and empathetic community. Yeah, the the community is exactly what y'all make it. Um, uh, and that could have meant a lot of things. And that has meant, like, a couple of different things over time, but I am very thankful to what y'all are uh, in the community. Like, what the, what the community is, because it's all of y'all. So, everyone, thank you. I sounded more Southern there than I ever have before. I think I found like four different spots to put a y'all. That's it for me tonight. Um, should we go see how Mr. Halfbit's doing? Is he streaming? Yeah, Typic I typically, I get a... What did you say? I got the notification. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, typically I get the notification. I didn't tonight, but everyone, we're going to go right over to Mr. Halfbit. Um, Is he streaming? <laughs> I assumed he would be, but everyone, uh, we're going to go hang out with Mr. Halfbit. Uh, that is it for me tonight, and... Uh, Louise Allen, Lisa Hall, Tuna, Dahlia, uh, Scar Lovett, Teen Bean, Mama Porkchop. I'm not going to be able to get to all of y'all, uh, uh, but I definitely remember Rowlett and Nasty Hudson, um, uh, Lisa and Louise for some reason. Y'all just showed up at the same time, and so you're paired in my mind for, for whatever the heck reason. Um, uh, MD and, of course, uh, Mimi over in Discord. I see you too, Louise, but Mimi is the other one who's there. Um, everyone, thank you a ton. We're going to write over now. Um, like I said, I love y'all. <laughs> I love y'all. Uh, it's been it's been an interesting time for me being in quarantine as a as a sort of I guess I would call myself like a born again extrovert. <laughs> I was I was reborn about five years ago as an extrovert, and um, 
uh, quarantine's been rough, but y'all have been a very positive part of that. So everyone, thank you. See y'all later. Let's go get him. Tell him who sent ya. Now, if there's anyone still here, because apparently uh, Tuna tells me that <laughs> that if you don't agree that you want to uh, raid over, then you're just here with me now. And I didn't realize that last time, so it was just me like staring at the screen. I just want to say thank you again. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see y'all later on. Bye bye.